baby, you know what time it is. The Golden Stallion is here, but it's uh, his favorite time. The Golden Stallion loves it when he doesn't have to be alone. Believe me, I'm not a guy that, you know, I don't want to be going around singing, uh, you know, I don't know, something from Elvis or whatever, all on my own. But uh, I am joined. It is the Star Wars update for May 2018. And this is going to be one of the big ones because we just got a new movie. And I'm being joined by Robin Freebeard to talk all about it. Robin, how the hell are you doing, man? Woo! Snuggle bum, ugly woogie. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, yeah, boy, May, it's been a been a hell of a thing um, overall for Star Wars. But really, I mean, Solo is just, just kind of taking over everything. Um, before we get into that, I do a couple quick things. I just want to mention that earlier today, this will get released on the last day of May. Um, and earlier today, I also released another piece of content, which is actually the very first piece of audio fiction based off of the short fiction from the sovereign universe so if people want to check that out and you didn't listen to it i'm sure you saw it in your feed if you saw this in your feed but give it a listen it's just a few minutes and uh, i had a lot of fun doing it and of course uh, ellen and stephanie will be taking part in those more in the future and they're the ones that i got to see man did i have a, a i i went so i'll ask you robin when you went um but i i went and of course, I talked about this in episode 278 or 279. I think we're up to 279. Episode 279 of Sovereign Tech, where I did a whole hour review of, of Solo. And of course, we're going to review it here as well and probably get a lot deeper. Um, but I went on the 24th at 8 p.m. Um, I went to a pretty big theater and uh, I went with, with Ellen and Stephanie. It was a great time. Of course, you know, they're the best. And I mean, they're literally, th th that's the acronym. And they're also literally the best. And it was, uh, it was just, it was really, really wonderful. You know, the, the cult of Stephanie Murphy got together. And uh, of course, we're also members. Robin and I are both members of the cult of Stephanie Murphy. And uh, anyway, uh, so they, they, of course, I talked about what they said about it. They actually enjoyed it quite a bit. So um, but yeah, I caught it that night. I have not seen it again since, and I actually haven't really felt like a compulsion to have to see it again. Usually I feel a need, even with last Jedi, I felt a need. Okay. No, I got to see it at least a couple more times, you know, and I'd go do it. And I'm not really feeling that with, with this, right. uh, but I will say quickly, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point within it is that, um, and I, and I'll be curious to hear your answer to this quick too, in the beginning here, um, the theater was not full like not even fucking close and there was barely any cosplay i mean this was like next to the clone wars this is probably the poorest showing in fact it might even be less than the clone wars and i was in upstate new york for that i mean that's how podunk it was about but uh let less of a showing at a theater and this was like an imax theater it wasn't like it was some kind of like jokey little theater uh and there was practically nobody there so, wow. but Robin, I mean, when did you catch it? And, you know, what was the, what was your theater experience there? Uh, so I saw it on Monday. Unfortunately, I was not able to go either uh, Thursday or Friday night. Cause you know, I'm, me. No, yeah, I'm I know <laughs> this is actually, no, it's, 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 it's a first time I did not see a, a new star Wars movie uh, on opening night, you know, sure. or if you want to call it the, the, the pre opening night. But um yeah, unfortunately, I had had uh, uh, school in the evenings both of those days, and they were t final tests. Otherwise, I would have, you know, skipped for, skipped it. But I, you know, I had to take those final tests and get that Absolutely. over with. But uh, when yeah, when I saw it on 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 Monday, you know, it was a holiday. Um, uh, the the theater was fairly full. I wasn't saying that every seat was taken, but mm -hmm. it was fairly full. Any empty rows? No, no, no empty rows. Ah, see, I had empty rows. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, maybe, maybe people were more willing to go on Monday because they were thinking there are going to be less people there and they were trying to, you know, avoid the crowds. 
here again, I, I, I haven't talked to anybody who, who saw it on those, uh, those first two nights. So sure. I don't know for sure. But, Actually, um, you know, randomly the people that I've kind of like asked about it, like I'll see some guy at some store and he has a star Wars tattoo or something, mm-hmm. which I would say was a pretty serious sign of fandom. Um, they all kind of said the same thing. I don't want to catch the crowds. Like they, and they, they didn't see it on opening weekend, which I think that this is enough. I mean, I think this kind of anecdote, is becoming such a big enough thing that, uh, you know, it may explain some of the numbers for solo, which we're going to talk about. Um, but what, anything else you want to share? I mean, it's, it's, do you want to talk about the numbers? Because I mean, I do think that is an interesting point that there's some, I I feel like there's some misconceptions going around about this, uh, the the numbers on this movie and so far as it being a total bomb. I don't think it is a total bomb. Um, because if you look at the, uh, the, the box office numbers for Memorial day weekends for, you know, recent history, and I'm talking like the last 10 years, uh, uh, Solo had the biggest opening for Memorial Day uh, since 2014. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this. So what what did it do? 101 million, I think was the 103. 103. Okay. I knew it was around there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the projections were initially 150 million that it was going to do. Then they dropped the projections down to 130. Um, I heard some quote unquote professional Star Wars commentators, quote unquote, uh, who were claiming they thought it was going to go through the roof. And of course they ended up being wrong, which whatever. I mean, that's all a crapshoot anyway. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I actually, I agree with this because a lot of people are saying, oh, this isn't impressive. Now, as I said in previous episodes, I think a Patreon episode, um, you know, any, any movie would, would kill for this kind of money. You know, right. like, like, I, mean, I mean, it's, it's just because it's star Wars that people ex- have a certain expectation. I do think that it's a mistake for Disney to get away from December. Like they have taken over December and they've set a precedent with December um, that I get it. May has, you know, a lot of star Wars history, yeah. but you know, it's a different world. Well, you know? Not only that, I think there's something to the uh, the people talking about there being a, a, a an amount of Star Wars fatigue, which yeah, releasing two Star Wars movies six months apart, um, yeah, I think there's something to that. Yeah, I could believe it, and and I know people want to like bat back at that with saying yeah, but there's no uh, comic book movie fatigue. I disagree. Ant Man didn't do crazy money. I mean, like there's yeah, and I and I actually like that movie. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it's one of the better Marvel ones, yeah. uh, newer Marvel ones, like along with Doctor Strange, which, of course, that did right. great money. But, um, yeah, I know some some uh, analysis has been done to say that, well, but it sounds like Han Solo really has great word of mouth. Um, I could I could believe that. And honestly, like, I mean, The Last Jedi is the thing like that, that yeah. a lot of people are skittish, you know, and maybe they wanted to hear. That, you know, hear good reviews or something from from like their actual friends or more right. of their diehards or something. And, that, and that's what I I find unfortunate about what's going on with with this movie is is people aren't reacting to this movie. They're reacting to you know the Last Jedi and just the state of the Star Wars franchise in general. You know, yeah. I mean, whereas I think you should treat you know this movie by its own merits and and by its own merits, it's a fun movie. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's a bomb at all. And I'll tell you where I think it could do great. I think that it could end up being really huge with home video. Um, There's no reason that it can't do that. It could end up doing really, really well, uh, like with Disney's uh, new streaming service. When that comes around, I think that it could be kind of a premier thing on there. Like, I think this movie can have a lot of legs beyond what it's doing in theaters. Right. Uh, Because, I mean, how long do these things last in theaters anymore anyway? You know, I mean, shit. We had Last and Jedi it, on D, on Blu-ray in three months. 
and, and the other thing I would say is, is like, I, and, and I think if, if Disney was to take any lesson away from this is, is that um, I certainly think they could have done just as much, if not more with less money than they spent making this movie. Sure. So maybe they could start making some, some star Wars movies that don't have, you know, these ginormous $250 million budgets. Yeah, I mean you don't need it, and and look, yeah. I, I mean especially if now this is this is a confusing movie in a few ways, and there's some confusing marketing around it. I do agree also with the point that people have made that the marketing push was too late, like they they waited way too long to come out right. with a great trailer among other things and whatever. Okay, right. um, this movie feels like it's being marketed more toward it's it it is a fun movie. Okay. Um, I, I think it's being geared in some way, ironically, marketing wise, being geared towards kids and whatever else. But this is also the most adult Star Wars movie I've seen to date. Um, yep. Like, I mean, there, I, in fact, I've barely ever seen a Star Wars anything where there's a lot of sexual references aside from, say, Lost Stars or something like that. Right. And this is loaded with them. I mean, just fucking right. loaded, you know, and, and like like crazy sex, too, with robots and your, you know, with droids and all this. Um so I think what, what's kind of weird is like, so you're gearing towards kids and look, if you want to reach out to kids, when I was a kid, the Ewok adventures, you know, those two movies, battle for Endor, uh, and caravan of courage were fucking mm-hmm. awesome. And they cost yeah. nothing. They, they, right. they cost practically nothing for the time. Right. And so there's no, yeah, there is, that's a great point that you're raising that I haven't heard anyone else bring up is that there's really no reason that a star Wars movie needs these outrageous budgets and to make that outrageous money. Right. Yeah. So well, we'll see what ha- we'll ahead. see what happens. I mean, like I said, I I I I think there is definitely a market for these standalone Star Wars movies. I do sure. wish they would they would um, you know, continue to do things other than these character focused ones. Yeah. Because the next one that's been announced, I guess, is Boba Fett, and like, yeah. Here here again, I had the same reaction to that announcement that I had to Solo is that this is not really a necessary movie. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I guess maybe we could touch on that quickly uh, because I think it's relevant to solo. And that is like, honestly, I'm hoping for sequels to this movie. Um, That's how much I enjoyed it. You know, you know, that's because there's, there's, there's hints of that. I mean, obviously they set it up for a sequel with, with the ending they did, but not only that they referenced in this movie, a lot of the, the Han Solo and Lando novels. Right. From way back in, you know, the 70s and the 80s. Right. Yeah. The Brian Daly novels and the the Neil Smith. Smith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which were largely enjoyable books, even though I think as far as like a Han Solo trilogy goes, there was a newer one made by AC Crispin that was uh, phenomenal that came out in the 90s. Right. But I mean, they were kind of like Pulp Fiction-y sort of novels. And that's kind of the feeling you get from this movie, too. That is just a cool, you know, little Pulp Fiction-y short story, you know, a heist story. Yeah. Now the thing is though, is that I, I kind of feel like they might be pulling a Marvel here where like with, with, with the Boba Fett movie, now that you have a young Han Solo, you can bring in Han Solo into a Boba Fett movie, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, just because just be, I mean, all Naren Reich doesn't have to headline every fucking movie, you know, that he's going to make in star Wars now, you know? Uh, and you could bring in, you know, kind of the surprise characters. Hell, you right. could bring in Kira. Uh, if you wanted to, you know, in, in which that character, boy, there's, there's, I mean, all kinds of things could be said about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, these standalones, I'm with you. First off, I think, I think the title of Star Wars story is still stupid, you know, like I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't grab me. I, you know, funny story. I used to be, uh, involved in a, um, a, uh, a focus group for Lucasfilm. 
when they oh, were right testing on. out the different names for these, you know, uh, these one-off movies. Uh-huh. And I distinctly remember voting against a Star Wars story. But <laughs> I lost. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Lucas wouldn't choose to use a name like that. He would. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I, I think it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous, you know, it is. Um, it is. You just call it Star Wars Solo or Star Wars Rogue One or whatever. Right. I mean, and like it, right. it'll be fine. Um, but anyway, you know, so yeah, these standalone movies, I, I'm appreciating them. I think that they're going to be able to interconnect and then turn into like mega movies, like an Avengers Infinity War kind of situation. Um, I feel like that's kind of what's getting built because there's so much, na- especially in Solo, there was so much name dropping and so many other right. things that were going on. Right. Um, and, and I approve of that, you know, and maybe Feige is kind of, we, we've theorized this in past Star Wars updates that Feige might be, you know, stepping in and maybe this is some of his early, you know, storm clouds. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if in. you still watch the, uh, the Star Wars show, but he would, did an interview on the Star Wars show yeah. recently and they kind of hinted at that. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Asked him point blank, would you be willing to do a Star Wars movie? And he was like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've talked about him before. I mean, he's the real deal. He's one of right, us. Right. Um, he knows the score. And so I, I think the other advantage of having him involved is, is that um, he's already built a reputation of trust with with Disney. And so hopefully they'll leave him alone. because right now, the way I see it is, is there's too many, you know, hands in the Star Wars pie. Yep. And that more than anything is what leads to, you know, things going wrong. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree. So. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that, with these standalones, but let's talk about solo. We haven't gotten your take on it. What did you think of it? I mean, let's open it right up. I mean, how would you describe it in one sentence? How did you feel about it? What's your, you know, one sentence review? Um, well, I mean, I, I think I already did. I think I said it like, this is a fun Pulp Fiction story. It was, yeah. Right. It was, right. Uh, that, that, that would be my one sentence. Sure. So um, you were I, entertained. I mean, like, yeah, you yeah no, the absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't even really have anything too negative to say about it. In fact, uh, it, my biggest criticism, which really wasn't, isn't even much of a criticism is I felt like this was the first star Wars movie where it really wasn't trying to be like a truly great epic movie. Whereas all the other star Wars movies were trying to be these great epic movies. Yeah. Even if they didn't pull it off, they were trying. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, this is something else, honestly, that feels like, you know, when you say that, and I hadn't thought about that, but when you say that, that, that feels like Feige's hands too, where he'll make a, he'll get a movie made that may not like, like that doesn't have to be like this, this major Epic, but then later on it has like these widespread ramifications. Right. 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 Um, and that's almost I mean, kind of like a felony thing too, where like, yes. you know, there is no filler. <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, but there's something to be said, which is amazing that this isn't an epic Star Wars film, considering who wrote it. You know, we're talking about uh, Lawrence and his son, John uh, Kasdan, you know, mm-hmm. who are behind, you know, I mean, like, like the big stuff, you know, in Lucasfilm. Uh, I guess. I mean, I mean, I, I don't have that high of opinion of Lawrence Kasdan, to be honest with you. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, tell me more. I mean, well, I mean, we, we've talked about um, the history of the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and his, his were not the first hands to touch that script. Yeah. Lay bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Lay bracket. And, and she was taking ideas from Lucas. Right. And so, um, and, and there was still plenty in that. And I like, I've read that script and there was, there was a ton, I mean, I'd say the majority of that script ended up making into the movie. So whether or not those were George's or Lay's ideas, uh, I don't know, but, um, you know, name, name me another, you know, uh, movie that Lawrence Kasdan has written that was like truly a great movie. 
I, I honestly think he's kind of a mediocre writer at best. Well, I think, I think the force awakens kind of like proves that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I can, I can see that point. I mean, you can look at Raiders, right? Raiders of the lost Ark. Um, I mean, where, you know, he has screenplay credits and a lot of Indian Indiana Jones. I don't, I mean, the only thing like, honestly, so I think John Kasdan, what I've seen of John Kasdan in his interviews is he's a real fan. Like, oh yeah, he, he no, loves not, Star Wars. Yeah, I'm not questioning in his dedication. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Just don't think I I don't hold him in high esteem as a lot of other Star Wars fans do. Yeah, I think I mean where I've always given Lawrence particularly the credit was in the dialogue. I always thought that he was kind of the guy behind some of the wittier dialogue, uh, right? Which which is what keeps Star Wars in your mind, um, right? At first, and so and 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 mate, I I think I felt like the touches of that in in Solo, where where there was some really witty dialogue at points. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. So, but otherwise, right. I mean, I, I can completely see your point that we don't know that he's like that great of like a, a an event writer or a climax writer. Or anything right. Like right. That. I, I don't know that his plots are really all that strong. Precisely. Like I I sure. Think he's a good character writer. I think he does good dialogue. But when it when it comes to the the overall plot structure and, and just, you know, creating a, a, a world and, and a story, I so so on him. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but I think you're raising a, a a unique and great point in that, yeah, this was like a Star Wars movie that wasn't trying to be. It's not. It clearly wasn't going for an Oscar on any metric, you know. Right. And and great because that's that's how I like things, you know. I want Star Trek made for Star Trek's sake. I want Star Wars made for Star Wars' sake, you know. And I mean, make the thing. And this whole thing felt like that. This really felt like a movie for the fans because if you're a fan, if you're a super fan, especially you're getting so, so much good, so many goodies and so much gold in this right, that, right. Uh, that only you would know. Like, I mean, I was in awe and like, there was points where I'm literally clapping, you know, and, and Ellen and Stephanie are looking at me like, what the hell? <laughs> well, you know, that's another good point too. Is just, I mean, in a way, uh, this story is kind of going almost back to like, you know, pre star Wars, like roots so far as what George inspired George and kind of like the, uh, you know, the science fiction serials, of sure. The fifties uh, uh, and so on. So, I mean, it, it, it is that kind of like fun, entertaining little movie. Uh, it's, it's not trying to win any awards or being, you know, the, a, a huge space epic or anything, but it, but it, it is, it is an entertaining movie and it is fun and, and you can enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. I felt, I, I felt it was very by the numbers as far as like overall um, conflict within it. You know, I mean, there wasn't anything like, like brazenly unique, um, you know, the, 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 the great stuff in it for me, I mean, and it was well done as well executed. I mean, that's fine. Everything's a remix, you know, and star Wars mm-hmm. is some of the ultimate remix, quite frankly, uh, of everything that we have in pop right. culture. Um, but yeah, I, I felt that it's real strength was in just how much respect and how much connection it had to the overall star Wars universe. That that's what yeah. made it more than meh to me. Right. Was, was having all of that and of course and folks look we're going to get into spoilers like i mean you know turn it off now if if you want um because because we're definitely going to talk about it because i mean like again the biggest thing for me and i'll just call it right out you know when darth maul showed up i mean that took that it took this movie to a whole other level yeah right you know i don't know about for you what was your reaction i I was um speaking of darth maul apparently that was uh, uh something that was uh added uh, after Ron Howard came into the project that, you know, I, apparently, uh, you know, Kasdan had been, been wanting to add this, but it was only something that was made, you know, concrete in, in the script uh, until Ron Howard came in. And I, and I'm going to give Ron Howard some credit. I think he is a genuine 
big time Star Wars fan. Sure. Sure. I, I had no reason to debate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think, I mean, and my get like, especially if, if Lord and Miller, who were originally directing this and putting this together, if they weren't allowing for the mall appearance, I am afraid of what that movie, I, I, I maybe I agree with Lucasfilm on this. I'm afraid of what that movie might've been. Yeah, like, yeah you know? it could be. I mean, like I, I honestly, I haven't seen any of their other movies, so I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, their work per se. Um, I do know Ron Howard and he's an excellent director and yeah. he does make fun movies. He makes fun and epic movies. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, he certainly has it in him to, uh, to deliver a good star Wars story. And he did. Um, but yeah, I, this is, this is an, like, you know, when we were talking about rogue one and how we really would like to see, you know, the, the director's cut of that movie. Uh, this is one movie where I just, I have no desire to see what their cut of the movie would look like. Yeah, agreed. This movie is is as is, and it's as good as it's going to be. I mean, exactly. because because what puts it over the top are very little moments that no director's cut you know could help with, right? Um, for me, so yeah, I I agree with that sentiment as well. Because yeah, we talk about this almost every Star Wars update. Like we know those other versions of Rogue One are out there, right? <laughs> we <Yeah>. want bad <laughs> someday, maybe. But yeah, you know, I hope so. Yeah, I hope somebody leaks it. You know, because yeah. I mean, there's there's. I mean, it's not just us either. There's demand to see this. Yeah, absolutely. We all want to see the badass Jyn Erso. I mean, we really right, do. Right, right. Um, among other things. So, you know, I, I, want to, I want to see Ben Middleson have his moment of greatness where he gets to talk about the power that's immeasurable. You know, the whole thing. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. This is a movie, though, where, like, I'm, I'm perfectly pleased as is. Um, I know, it, it's no doubt, it was a troubled shoot. Um, you know, to, to put it together, but obviously, you know, it does speak, like you said, it speaks to Ron Howard's ability. I mean, I think he pulled it all together to deliver a perfectly fine film. I mean, this is not going to, this is not going to, you know, break up my ranking of star Wars films in any way. And like, you know, crash into the top three or something, but it was, it was good. You know, I mean, that's, that's the best I can say about it. Like, yeah, it's somewhere in my middle of my ranking, I think. Yeah, yeah, like it it can sit above Attack of the Clones for me, but yeah, not yeah. too much I think higher. It's, to me, I think it's probably somewhere between um, uh, Revenge of the Sith and The Phantom Menace. Sure, sure, yeah. Well, you know me, I love Phantom Menace. But yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but just, I'm so glad to see Maul back because holy fuck! And I, t- I know I talked about this on on when I did the review on Sovereign Tech, but uh, like finally these people can shut up that say mall isn't alive you know right right because it's not in a movie well, it's i mean those people are ridiculous to begin with yeah sure and and, sure. and and of course you know we're learning today there's no lack of ridiculous star wars fans yeah that's for sure that's for damn sure so all right let me ask you this um and if there's a direction you want to take this, just, you know, just let me know, just, just butt in. Um, but what did you think? Because this was a huge sticking. This is one of the negatives that I would bring up about the film. It's not like a hard negative, but it's also not a positive and it should be a positive in anything. Star Wars. I thought the music was so lackluster. Oh yeah. I remember listening to your, to your review and I'm like, and in fact, when I was in the theater, I was like, man, this movie sucks until they got to the, uh, the scene where they were escaping the mall. Uh-huh. They're having the fight with the tie fire and they brought back the, uh, the music. I think that was from a new hope when they were escaping the death star. Yeah. 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 And, but I mean, here again, that, that wasn't his, I, and I get, I don't remember the composer's name. John that wasn't his, yeah. It wasn't his material. So I can't, I, I, yeah, I don't have anything good to say about the music in this movie. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm really like seriously. You know, years ago, back in '96, I guess, for Shadows of the Empire, that was such a multimedia event. Joel McNeely, they brought in this guy, Joel McNeely, he usually only did TV scores, and they had him do a score for the fucking book. That was eons better than what John Powell you yeah, know, did yeah. uh, with this movie. I was like really, really. I mean. And they got to know, they they have to know that it was rough. I don't know. And maybe we'll find out that like Michael Giacchino, because when Ron Howard had to step in that he only had a couple weeks or something, you know, but I think Giacchino yeah. delivered a fucking great score with, I, with Rogue One. And that's, that's the kind of the, the feeling that, that I get. And I don't know if this is true or not, but you know, it's, it was probably more than likely a victim of the, you know, the troubled shoot. Yeah, which is probably why they slap John Williams' names. Uh, yeah, name because you know the they don't they don't score these movies until principal photography's done, and they have something to you know score it too. Right. So I mean that happened at the very end, and I'm sure they had to you know put it together in pretty short order in order to make the release date. Yeah. Now I'll tell you, if they had another score for this at some point, that's one thing I do want to hear. I don't need to see the other version of the movie, but I'd like to hear the other version of the score, which is also true for Rogue One. I, I, yeah, I want to hear. Yeah whatever that guy's Alejandro, whoever was originally doing the score. I'd love to hear his right. score. Um, yeah. So if, if I, if anything tanks on this movie, I hope it's the sales of the, the soundtrack. Cause it really is just terrible. Yeah. I mean, it sounded, it sounded like a, a TV show soundtrack and not even like a good TV. It was just kind of like boring background music. Yeah. Okay. So at least I'm not alone in this. Because, no, 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 not at yeah. all. Yeah. 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 Cause I was really, I mean, cause I know, I know I am like a, you know, I'm an absolute dilettante when it comes to, uh, to soundtracks. Yeah, oh, me too. I collect soundtracks just right. like you do. And I've done this for like decades and, 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 and I'll go into it, especially the Star Wars movie. I'll, you know, pointedly try to pay attention to the soundtrack. And every time I, you know, tried to pay attention to what was going on in the soundtrack, it's like, well, this is just like really mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it didn't like, it didn't flow. It didn't make sense. Like there's points where the chorus comes in and like, admittedly the chorus can be jarring when you listen to the the soundtracks for the prequels, like, because there's only one or two tracks that'll bring it in, but somehow, you know, just in, in the greatness of it, it works as yeah. to where, when there's any kind of chorus in John Powell's score, it just comes off cheap and it feels like I'm listening to, and, and this is, I, I think this guy's actually a great composer. I, I feel like I'm listening to Joseph uh, Leduca's, you know, like a Hercules uh, soundtrack from the yeah, 80s or something yeah. you know and, and so like i said the, 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 only, the only time that i really got into the soundtrack is like i said it was during the uh the the mall scene yeah uh, the, like i said that's not his work that's john williams work so you know i yeah it's disappointing it, it, it is it, it really it is, is. It, yeah. I mean, and it, it's it's a little bit of i mean you don't think about it because it's serviceable but it really is kind of a black mark on the film and they need yeah. to they need to think long and hard about that yeah um, i agree and Disney maybe just doesn't in some ways doesn't care because like, I don't think they give a shit about their um, I've never heard like a really great Marvel soundtrack. I mean, you get a couple cool themes like with the Iron Man theme or something, or they'll br like, they'll bring in kind of a, a bombastic version of Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme or something. But most of the, honestly, most of the Marvel soundtracks uh, are, are, are lackluster as well. I mean, they're just, they're just serviceable. They, they play a, a fair background and maybe get a hint of theme or something. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that, that was pretty disappointing overall, but now you did hint at something, uh, that is a Canon connection and that I was really, really pleased to see come into the film. Why don't we talk about some of these Canon connections in the movie? Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, because I think our opinion, you know, it sounds like our opinion of the overall film is the same. It was fun. It was just a fun movie, you know, and, and, and just, you know, enjoyable, good, and, you know, not great, but it didn't need to be. And so, but, but you mentioned the Maw. 
Now, this is cool stuff to finally, right. you know, bring into Star Wars, which the Maw in the old expanded universe, just quick, was this like, I mean, it's this giant gravity well, effectively. And it was so amazing to finally see it. Like, I mean, I think me, it, was a, it was actually like a cluster of black holes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, for me to see this, because, I, you know, originally it appeared in the Jedi Academy trilogy by the, the horrendous Kevin J. Anderson uh, yeah. back in the. Yeah, back in the nineties. Uh, so yeah, everybody sighs when when Kevin J. Anderson comes. It's like, oh fuck, you know. But there's, go ahead. There's only one thing that Kevin J. Anderson did that I liked, and that was his involvement with the Tales of the Jedi, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was cool. Well, he also did something with Rush, um, the Clockwork Angels. That was great. But otherwise, okay. anyway, yeah. that's besides the point. So, but last, but or, sorry, um, a Jedi Academy trilogy, and you know, bring in this character who is this lover of her name's admiral dalla she's this lover of uh, grand moff tarkin which of course tarkin's dead now but right. she keeps on doing his work his tarkin initiative work and everything and developing all these wild you know super weapons and projects and the maw was where they kind of hid the lab where the where the original death star or the prototype of the death star the prototype, yeah the, yeah not even the death star one but the prototype of the death star was getting built and of course that that takes place in the uh, third book of the Jedi Academy trilogy back in the day. Of course, none of this is canon. Uh, well, now the Maw is canon, so hopefully some of this can come in because I love the character of Admiral Dalla. I thought she was great, and she would come back often uh, outside of Kevin J. Anderson books. So having the Maw come into this, I mean, I thought that that was cool as hell to finally see that. Like my my ninety seven, you know, nineteen ninety seven self was clapping quite loudly. Yeah, that was that, that. that was actually probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie was that whole sequence. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, how'd you feel about how, if you have other thoughts in the mall, go for it. But like, how did you feel about the Kessel run overall? Cause now we finally got it. The legendary Kessel run. We right. saw it happen. Right. I, yeah, no, I, it was, it was, it was pretty much as, as I had imagined. And, um, cause you know, they were having to make all these micro jumps through right. the, uh, the cloud or whatever it was, you know, and, and, you know, we got the, the, the black hole. I, I don't know if there are more, I did be kind of cool if we eventually find out that, that, the mall wasn't just one black hole, but there is like, you know, a series that you have to, if, if they actually ever, because it sounds like, you know, they were saying anybody who goes uh, beyond like the little waypoints that they use throughout the, uh, the, the, the Kessel sector that people that go in there don't come back. Right. So we really don't know like what else is in there. Yeah. Um, well, so there's, there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, in fact, honestly, I think the fact that there was a Star Destroyer there, because they never really explain why the fuck that Star Destroyer is there. In fact, they even say that it's odd. Um, part of me almost thinks that that Star Destroyer being there is pointing at the fact that there's something at the Maw, you know, and then right. there's like hidden right. shit laying, laying around. I mean, that's just yeah, my Yeah, because it got there awfully quick. Right. You know, because like it was, I think it was Curate that mentioned like, oh, well, maybe they're, you know, responding to the uprising on Kessel, you know, that yeah. they instigated. But I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, uh, when something happens and the police like show up two seconds later, it's like, wait, no, it doesn't take, it takes you longer than that to get here. <laughs> right. It's like, wait a minute. I couldn't even dial 911. What are you doing here? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I think that that's kind of hinting at, yeah, I think movie had no problem hinting at things, um, that there's something at the mall. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of potential for that yeah. entire area. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And, and I like that there was a uh, consistency in the appearance of Kessel between what we saw in Rebels. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Great point uh, to bring up on that. 
Um, yeah. And you know, for me overall, the Kessel run, I thought it was fine. I thought it was cool. You know, like it wasn't some kind of great race, which I think a lot of people might've imagined over a while. Um, I, I, I thought it worked out really cool. Um, the inclusion of L3's brain into the Falcon. Yeah. Um, I that, thought was good. Was, that was brilliant, uh, yeah. attachment and, and kind of retroactive connection because, you know, you have the line that I instantly thought of. Um, and I, you know, I turned Ellen Stephanie and said, I was like, oh, it's like, yeah, right. It's, it has a peculiar dialect because it's this fucking feminist L3 robot, you know, which I, right. I say that with respect. I don't say that with disrespect. Right. Uh, so I, I thought that that was, that was actually, that was a really, really nice touch uh, yeah. for them to yeah. put in. And especially now that we know that the Falcon has what, three brains or something. Well, now we know one of them. Yeah. Was that, um, is that something they established in Canon or was that something from the expanded universe? That's from the force awakens novelization. Okay. Okay. I I never got around to reading the novelization. So, okay. That's good to know that that's, that's Canon at least. Yeah. 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 Cause there's a point where like Ray's working on the Falcon in the book and, and and that comes up. Right. Um, So I thought that was, that was really cool to, to finally have that there. um, And, you know, to understand that and also why, you know, Lando has such a deep connection to that ship and still cares about it. Right. Empire strikes back. Right. Right. Which That's pretty impressive because I don't feel like a lot of the other films other than rogue one, which directly attaches to a new hope. I didn't feel like the, you know, the, the past couple films, you know, or the episodic films had any, real connection to the original trilogy um i mean you get a little bit in the, you know like luke will mention darcidius or something like that but this movie spent a lot of time making sure that that it was making sense of things that you saw especially within the original trilogy right uh, which was yeah. uh, was great so what other what other like major canon connections were, were coming up for you in this well i mean like all the stuff in and uh dryden voss's collection I mean, there was just, I mean, there's a ton of stuff in there. And um, I know you'd mentioned in his rev- uh, in your review about the uh, the Mandalorian armor. And, and I agree with you. He's got the Mandalorian look. He does. There's, there is another connection. Um, the ship he has, it is um, uh, manufactured by this, the same the same planet that um, Duchess Satine came from in the Clone Wars. You know, it even looks like the same style ship. That she had. had yeah 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 that, that one long straight line right yeah yeah and and, <sighs> and, the, and oddly enough the name of that ship was the coronet which is the name of the capital city of Corellia. right I, I like and i know they're not thinking that far ahead but it is kind <laughs> of weird that that exists yeah that oh man yeah you know as soon as you said the ship and then i thought about like oh shit yeah it's just like satine's uh, yep. uh like capital ship and that yep Yep, great, it's manufactured great by the same company. Yeah, yeah. And they don't really, ask me. It's uh, Kala Vala or something like that. It's, it's it's yeah, but it it is, and it's from it's from her home planet uh, that where that ship is made. Oh man, nice. Okay, like that's yeah. something. I in fact, it's probably in the visual guides, which I do want to talk about that at some point. That that it might have brought that up, but I haven't been able to get like really too neat knee deep in them um yeah that's a nice touch but there's so much to talk about in dryden voss's office or whatever the hell that is did you catch the ewok no there was a stuffed ewok in there oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> nice oh that's so cool <laughs> which technically makes that the first canon appearance of an ewok in the timeline <laughs> wow well that yeah uh, you, you, see, now, you, know what, you know what could get it you could they could have fun with that because like why build the death star 2 around endor and 
I don't know. Maybe there's there's something they could run with that somehow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, but I yeah. did I did have a good laugh when I saw that. That is awesome. That nice. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know something because one of the major ones that I wanted to talk about and that I did talk about in in my review on Sovereign Tech um, was the Crystal Skull. But come to find out, there's also the um, the head, the golden head, the the little idol head yeah. from Raiders yeah. is in there so- as well. This is actually one point that that we disagree on. The, the the crystal skull is in fact not an Indiana Jones reference. Now the idol that sits below it that is the golden idol from Indiana Jones. So that's the Indiana Jones reference. Right. But the uh, the crystal skull uh, and and this is mentioned in the the, vis- the visual guide. I don't think they called it a visual guide. I think they called it an official guide this time. But um, it is actually a reference to um, one of those early Han Solo books called Han Solo and the Lost Legacy. And uh, the crystal skull was on the the masthead of a ship owned by uh, Zim the Despot, which was like, oh, yeah, 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 who was like, you know, this ancient character that's before even the old Republic era. Yeah, like 10,000 years before. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I remember the book because in in the book, in the, the Han Solo book, like they're trying to find this guy's like, because supposedly Zim the Despot had this crazy fortune. And right. And that's what this is. In fact, there are several references in Dryden Voss's collection to that specific specific fortune, because the 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 crystal skull is apparently the masthead to the ship containing his, his uh, fortune. And also inside there was like some sort of map to the location of that ship. OK, yeah. So now now, I mean, I'll, I'll give the spoiler to to the, the novel that, that that's from. Um, they do eventually Han Solo does find Zim the Despot's fortune. The thing is, right. is it's like, it's this like really ancient crystal that's incredibly commonplace in the galaxy now. Right. The top of Han Solo. And so yeah. it's, it's worthless. Like his treasure right. is, is meaningless. Uh, but that. OK, so that makes sense. Now, I do. And, have, and, and the crystal skull, like it doesn't look like the one from indiana jones to me because that was a, like an elongated skull well, one and of this them is like yeah. really but 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 i'll make you feel better about this um not the first time a crystal skull has appeared in star wars so mm. in the clone uh, clone wars episode uh wookie hunt where uh ahsoka tano gets captured uh by the tranchadans yep and okay. they're hunting her and she meets chewbacca there's a crystal skull that looks exactly like the elongated crystal skull from uh, Indiana Jones and that's on the transcendent ship. Yeah. Well, I'm so I'm still going to call it Indiana Jones is a part of the star Wars universe, just like ET is. Right. Um, yeah. Because, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I do think those little connections are cool. Um, and, and it also kind of, remi- I don't know if you ever saw it, but there was like a, a non-canon star Wars book where Indiana Jones finds the crashed millennium Falcon <laughs> and what it is, is they're hunting legends of Bigfoot and oh, Bigfoot. Oh, Chewbacca. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. What a, what a clever, I would have never thought of that. that that's yeah. It, it, it's it, like, it wasn't even Canon, even when legends was Canon, but right. it was just such a fun story. And, you know, they, and they find, you know, like I said, they find the crashed Millennium Falcon. They find Hans, and it's really weird because you have Indiana Jones looking at Han Solo's corpse. Wow, that yeah, that like that's meta, right? Right. <laughs> that's brilliant. I, all right, I'm gonna have to look. I, I mean, I'm I have a lot of Indiana Jones books. So I'm gonna have to find that and 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 read it. Um, obviously, I hadn't read that one, but that's great. That that's fantastic. So okay, um, 
boy, I mean, there was so much else in Dryden Voss's. I mean, he had a, like a Sith artifact. Yeah, yeah, that was another thing that was like as soon as I saw it, I was like, holy shit, that's a giant Sith holocron. Right. And yeah. Like, big I, and and like my, and that's when I started going and looking for stuff from the uh, the from the guide. Cause like, I wanted to know if that's exactly what it was. And apparently that's the description it gives. It says it's a reconstructed Sith holocron that Dryden Voss had intended to give to a quote unquote benefactor who we know who that is. Yeah. I mean, now it makes total sense why he would have that. You right. Know? Uh, Cause everybody, I mean, you noticed it in the trailers. People have been talking yeah. about it for a while. And there um, was another, another thing uh, like it was on the floor behind uh, him in this scene where there was like a, a like beaten up stone, uh, obelisk or or pyramid that yeah. looked like it had like some Sith script on it too. Yeah, so I'm like yeah, he he definitely had like he was he was into collecting the Sith stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so which you know a Mandal if he's Mandalorian and he's like working with Sith stuff, I mean like there's there's some there's precedent for that. I'll put it that right. Way. Right. Um, certainly in old canon there was in new canon. You know maybe they're gonna rock with it. Right, and 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 stands to reason. And here again, this is the, the fact that he's working for Maul is another. Uh, point in his favor of being a Mandalorian because he just might be, you know, a, a leftover from his shadow collective days when, right. you know, Maul was, you know, in control of uh, 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 what's the name of the, the, the group, the, uh, the Mandalorians. Um, what, it was a death watch. Yeah. Death watch. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was yeah, yeah. probably, he was probably a member of death watch. I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, he could have been one of the guys that, that broke him out of jail in son of Dathomir. The, right. The, right. Yeah. The, the comic book. Um, which now also that makes sense why Disney pushed so hard for Son of Dathomir to be a canon work, even yeah. though it came out under Dark Horse and not under Marvel. Right. Um, well, that was and that was based off of a uh, an unfinished Clone Wars script. Yes. So that made sense that they would include that because it is a Dave Filoni story. But you know, I mean, I, as as far as I know, like all the the, the unproduced scripts for the uh, for the Clone Wars, there's stuff in that that is considered canon even though we yeah. have not seen it in any kind of stores material yet. Yeah. Yeah. I could believe it. So I want to talk quick. Um, you brought up the official guide. Uh, I do happen to have this. Um, I, I pre-ordered it as well as I pre-ordered. I have the art book for solo, uh, which Ooh. I don't know if we'll get into that right now. Um, but well, the art book, I mean, like if I were to review it real quick, like the art book, I don't know. Like there's nothing that for me that, that stands out. Like usually I like to see alternatives and deleted scenes or something like that within an art book that can make it interesting for anybody. There, you know, there was this one fun little thing that I saw from the art book that I really enjoyed. That? And that was the smoking and the bandit repaint of the Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was cool. nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was cool. I mean, and they had no intention of ever using that. It's just no. kind of really fun that some artists over at Lucasfilm decided to do that. And then they included it in the book. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess it's like one of Ron Howard's, like, I don't know, like, I, I can almost picture that yeah. like one of his favorite movies, and they're just right. like, hey, boss. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but the art, I mean, the one interesting thing in the art book is, like, almost none of the art, like, Han Solo does not look like Alden Ehrenreich. It's it's a very, like, almost a, a, a faceless face. I mean, it has a face, but, like, it, yeah. it could be just about anybody in that. That was kind of the thing that stuck out for me um, within it. So, but to talk about the official guide quick, this is, this is something. So it's not that like, this is kind of a trend. This is sort of a style. Of course, when Robin and I record this, we actually are on video, but I don't always release the video with, with the release of this. But anyway, I have the book right here and I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in, in this uh, because it's, it's treated like more of the um, juvenile. And I don't mean that as an insult. 
it's it's a descriptor the, the juvenile like guides that they've been releasing for star wars as late as compared to like the incredible cross sections or the full-on visual guides where like they are these very serious breakdowns and like yeah. very technical and all that this is not I one that. of those yeah, yeah i noticed that especially when they had those little um breakouts of of yellow balloons and it says find out more they keep repeating right. that over and over i just thought that was yeah it was kind of silly yeah they're making these books for people with add and i don't mean that with disrespect yeah, uh, yeah. it's just like it it looks like mtv put this shit together and and I'm right just, yeah and and i really because i love the incredible cross sections and the visual dictionaries and everything like those are that dk usually does that are so well done and i don't know if these books aren't selling and so they just don't care anymore because rogue one got a full-on visual uh dictionary that was very well done by pablo hidalgo right uh, and and this well, one's Pablo just did this one too, didn't he? He did, yeah. But this okay, one's just yeah. as disappointing. I mean, I, or, or this one is disappointing, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was also true. Earlier in April, they came out with the Starfighter Encyclopedia. That was the same style, where it was very juvenile and yeah. like. But you know, those books have been around for a while. Of yeah. those juvenile style stuff. So I mean, and some of it's it is mostly missed. Some of it's okay. Yeah, but yeah. For the most part, it's kind of missed. So I, I, yeah, I agree with that criticism completely. It's, it is unfortunate. Hopefully, uh, they they choose not to do that for episode nine. Yeah, I mean, so far for the episodic uh, movies, they have given us two books. They give us the incredible cross sections and a and a visual dictionary. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. It, it's it's weird to me because this is a this feels like a kids book. But at the same time, this movie was the furthest from a kid's movie out of all of the new Star Wars films. Yeah. Because um, like I said, there's, there's and, constant reference to sex and other things. And that that might be Pablo Hidalgo, too, because he's got a real thing for children's books for some reason. Sure, sure. I, and I, I don't know why it is. He's just it's something he like he, he's he's just he's got a huge collection. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of his office, but he's got a huge collection of children's books. Yeah, I might have seen it in a Star Wars show, but I could totally believe it. Yeah. Um, so, well, anyway, uh, one thing that's interesting, in fact, bringing up these visual dictionaries, uh, one of the uh, big canon connections that a lot of sources were was bringing up, and of course I brought it up on, on my review, um, they, of course, the way they pronounce it's damned funny. I always pronounced it Taras Kasai, and I've heard plenty of other people p- pronounce it Taras Kasai instead of Taras Cassie. Um, Same which, the opposite. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I've always pronounced it Tarakasi. Wow. So like, like angry video game nerd did it. He pronounced it that way. I mean, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, regardless, um, this was just for clarity start. A lot of people are saying, Oh, they mentioned, you know, Tarascasi in this. And I'm like, well, that's not the first time we've gotten a mention of it in Canon. Right. The first time yeah. was actually in the last Jedi uh, visual dictionary where right. they, they did bring it up that Snoke's guards, those red guards that they, they were trained in, in Tarascasi. Right. Uh, and, but I mean, I'm still glad that it's getting mentioned. I think that's really cool that Kira can do it. Like, I mean, rock on, you know, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that was a really nice connection, nice deep cut, you know, to, to have there. Yeah. And it's kind of, it kind of gives some um, legitimacy to her being kind of a badass, which I think is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, I'll ask you this I mean, and we can get into other canon connections as well, but um, I really liked her character a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did too. Yeah, I mean, Amelia Clark delivered, uh, which she hasn't always done in all of her roles outside of Game of Thrones. Um, but I thought that she she made it work, and I just want to see more. I, I want to know the dark past. I want to know the whole thing. Yeah, I give credit yeah. to Lucasfilm for or to Disney for releasing. They already released a Forces of Destiny uh, cartoon 
that has right. Kira as the lead against, uh, you know, IG-88 and, right. um, and Hondo. Which uh, I thought which, was fun that they brought Hondo in for that. That was that it was, was great. great. It yeah. was hilarious. It was genuinely yeah. funny. Like, that's one right. of the best forces of Destiny they've done. Uh, I agree. And, and, yeah. And with such a fresh character, too, which I thought was really cool. Um, so... You know, uh, which that was, I mean, and, and to bring in a bounty hunter, because, you know, in the movie, we get mentions of Bosk, right? Which that was nice. Right. Um, and uh, Arasing. Yeah, Arasing. That was a huge one. I mean, like, right. I was like, whoa, they mentioned Arasing. And I yeah. can't wait to find out how the hell Tobias Beckett did that business. So, yeah. Um, well, it's that, always one of those things is like, can you ever really trust anything that these people say? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> is he really dead? <laughs> or is he just like, you know, trying to puff up his reputation as having killed her? Well, it's a certain point of view, you know. Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what George would say. It's like, well, it's a certain point of view. It's like, right, right. Yeah. In Lando's view, she's dead, but, you know, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) um, Yeah. So, like, those, the Aura Singh name drop was, was really cool because, again, that's referencing as far as like within larger canon within the movies themselves, really, you're only pointing at episode one when you talk about that. Um, And I thought that that was cool. Yeah, I mean, and of course she had, you know, the yeah. relationship with Boba in the Clone Wars, right. but uh, yeah, and, uh, that, and I, I really like that they they put her in that series because, like, from Episode One, like you see this character, like, oh, she looks cool. Like, yeah, you want to know yeah. about her more about her, and they did release. I remember some little tidbits about her, you know, around that time that Episode One came out. Yeah, and we didn't hear anything else about yeah, I mean, her we got a in the next book, two movies. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that was about it. Um, so that was nice to. Yeah, I mean, again, this movie was just loaded with all these different name drops and canon connections right, and everything right. that I thought was really and and and, and another one, you know, like um, Lando recording his own stories, you know, and th- those were references to to the Lando novels. Yeah, from El Neil Smith. Right, yeah. right. That, that was cool. Um, yeah. What did you think? And I kind of like the idea of it being like the like it's fiction within the star Wars universe. Like, you know, you have a story that might not be canon, but it could be canon fiction within the star Wars universe. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm just waiting for like a journal of the wills to reference the adventures of Lando Calrissian, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that, that, that'd be perfect since we got the wills in canon now too. Right. Right. Um, So what, I mean, what did you think of Donald Glover's performance? How about that? Like what was, Um, I, it was. I don't. I don't have any complaints. I'm not as as blown away with it as right. a lot of other people seem to be. Um, I'm with you. I think Chewie stole the movie. Yeah. And I and I thought that from seeing the second trailer. I said, "Oh, Chewie's going to be great in this movie." Yeah. And the guy yeah. and the the guy that they got to take over uh, the role of Chewie, he's good. Uh, yeah. They did. I can't they did it. His, but he's yeah, good. yeah, he's a Finnish guy. Yeah. Um, he's from Finland, and um, they did a, a um, you know, Wired does a thing where like actors uh, uh, read like Google searches about sure. themselves. And they did one with him and Amelia Clark. And like, he actually does, he actually speaks Sherwood really well. <laughs> the actor, I mean, I don't, I, I could believe that when they go into the sound studio, they just get him to do it. Cause he's really good at it. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause, um, um, Oh shit. Not David Prowse. Um, <laughs> Why am I drawing a blank on, on the original Chewbacca's name? Oh, Peter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Peter Mayhew. That's it. Peter, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Peter Mayhew. Yeah, Peter yeah. Mayhew. I knew it was Peter something. Yeah, Peter Mayhew. Like, yeah, because he, he really didn't, you know, do that. I mean, his no. was and everything. But yeah, yeah because that was something that they, they, I think they got from different, like, real animals and stuff and just kind of, yeah. like, speed up and slow down certain animal noises. But, like, yeah, the actor here who, who plays Chewbacca in this movie, he does the voice really well. Like, better, actually, than I've heard any human being do it. 
Yeah, I mean, he's got a job for life. Like he's yeah, absolutely, yeah, he's absolutely. Not, you know, because and he's young. He's like twenty. Yeah, yeah. Something. I mean, like he's. Well, I mean, young. it's good for it because he used to be a basketball player, and right. so I mean, you know, like he doesn't have to wear out his body now. You yeah. know, sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, che- Chewie stole the show, and I thought Kira, like, the more I think about her, like, she really yeah. And, of course, yeah. Maul's appearance, like, just is a showstopper. Right. You know? uh, and just leaves you wanting more. Yeah. I think it'd be cool, like, if they, they did do, like, um, like if they were going to do, like, another character-focused one, I think it would be cool if we got a, a Darth Maul movie. I'd take it. Because I'd there's still it. plenty of, like, blank spaces in his history. Yeah, I mean, hell, you could even do a mall movie in between, like, what, season three and, would it be season three and four or season two and three of Rebels? Um, I mean, like, there, there's a pocket there. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's plenty well, there's, of pockets. Yeah, and there's the huge pocket between Clone Wars and Rebels, which is kind of where Solo takes place. Right. Because, you know, I'm like, apparently he uh, starts this whole new criminal order because originally he had the, uh, what was it called, the Shadow Collective. Right, which was a bunch of different groups, like all under one. Right, yeah. right. That he kind of like forced together by his force of will and just kind of conquering all of them. Yeah. Um, and and now he's just, you know, he's trying to do things more. And it's like, you know, like first I thought, well, like, why didn't they just use the Shadow Collective name? Because most people probably aren't going to remember that when they're watching movies. Probably not even most Star Wars fans are, you know, until afterwards going to go, oh. But then I realized, well, no, if you use the, the name Shadow Collective that would be a big tip off to Palpatine that Darth Maul is still around. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. On his back. Good point. So he had to change the name. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when he showed up in the movie, it, it took me a second. I'm like, wait a minute. I know that voice. What the, what the fucking, like, it's not the emperor. Like what the hell? And, and it did take me a second. Then real, you know, then you realize it's Sam Witwer and it's Maul. Yeah. Unfortunately I had it spoiled for me that Maul was in the movie. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, that was a nice reveal. I mean, it's not like it's not exactly a spoiler because if you're, you know, if you're sweaty with Star no, Wars, I mean, you know, totally makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah, that he yeah. fits into this space in the Star Wars universe, and he's still involved in the criminal underground. That right. makes total sense for his character. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about one of the most powerful characters in Star Wars history. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for him to like, you know, backstage, no, that, that doesn't make any sense, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. And it, and it kind of shows the, the development of the character that he's learning to be more subtle than right. he has been because he was, you know, just really is just kind of over the top and the clone wars. Yeah. Yeah. It he was wasn't, nice for- he, yeah. And he wasn't, he wasn't afraid about hiding his identity or, or trying to, you know, protect himself or anything. He was, he was out in the front. Yeah, it was nice for him to play it cool, and 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 that worked. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because that that was a big thing that they've done in his comics is that he's always just he's so eager to 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 go out and do battle and prove himself and reveal himself to the Jedi, and you know, Palpatine keeps on having to like restrain him from like ruining things by revealing stuff too early to mm-hmm. the Jedi, and like it took him you know, being knocked off his pedestal to finally learn to keep it cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And act yeah. like a Sith. I mean, it's funny. He's not a Sith now, but he's finally acting like one. Yeah. And I, again, I really do. And, and I'll, I'll ask you this too. I mean, I really hope, I mean, we need sequels or at least let's get Maul in the Boba Fett movie. Let's get Maul, you know, in all these other star Wars stories, let's make him like a common thread. Yeah. You absolutely. Know, almost a Thanos style character. Or something I, I, like that. I, I can't imagine that, that, that they just dropped that for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's a like, huge move. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like the, the, the fact that they put it in the movie, I, I, I don't think they just did that flippantly. 
Right. So, all right. Well, I mean, if they say next week they announce that they're going to make Solo 2, I mean, are you, how do you feel about that? Um, I would be a little worried for Lucasfilm because just because of the, 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 you know, underperformance by their expectations. Sure. You know, um, it kind of seems like they're doubling down to a certain degree, but, um, I, I really think, I, I don't think it would be a good idea to do a solo sequel. I think it would be, like you said, just kind of do sort of the Marvel thing where you're setting things up and other movies connect to it. And you're starting to really kind of rebuild the, the star Wars cinematic universe with all these deep connections. Cause like you said, we didn't really get that those deep connections with the sequel movies so far, the sequel right. trilogy. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of bereft of a lot of that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, if you're going to have a cinematic universe, you need that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the direct, like at first I'm like, okay, let's do a solo trilogy. But then like, I'm, I'm starting to lean more towards, no, no, no. Let's just have all these characters appear in each other's films, right? you know, uh, over right. time. And so, and, and if they're going to do an Obi-Wan movie, they could put him in there too. Oh, absolutely. You know? Maybe absolutely. not out in the front, but I mean, like, because they already had, you know, the final confrontation between Obi-Wan and, and, and Maul in the end but i could see you know them including maul in the background of the obi-wan story sort of like you know searching for him or yeah. like you know well because so in that episode the season four episode of rebels where we finally see the ultimate fate of maul uh with obi-wan like obi-wan's not surprised that right. he's there you know and right. so it would make sense if if there's an obi-wan movie and he's like going after you know, Crimson Dawn or whatever. And he's right. He knows who's in charge. Uh, right. That, yeah, that would that, make a lot of sense. That would be cool. And movie. it would be, it would make sense for Crimson Dawn to be operating on Tatooine. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. Like to compete with Jabba, like that right. would make a ton of sense in the world. Um, yeah, I, 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 I could see that, uh, which that was nice. You definitely got references without naming Jabba. You certainly got plenty of reference to Jabba in the film. Right. Um, in, in solo, which was really cool. So any other major canon connections that came up for you in that, that you wanted to bring up? Um, the only thing, the other thing that was cool to me was, is the, um, apparently the other thing in uh, Dryden Voss collection was a, uh, set of Nogri, uh, cutlery, oh. which I thought was cool. This is the first time I think that the name Nogri has appeared because I mean, you have, um, what's his name from showing, showing Rook. up in Rebels, Rook, but they never explicitly said that he was Nogri. Right. It's always kind of left as a mystery as what his species was. Well, now at least we have confirmation that the Nogri exist in the canon universe. So yeah. I hope we get some of that in the future. That would be cool. Yeah, I think I think we might get in. And actually, I'm expecting or what I'm hoping for. Um, we'll we'll review this book when it comes out. It'll be a major talking point because it'll probably be better than most of the movies that have come out. Uh, the Thrawn was alliances with yeah mm -hmm. yeah where, where it's Thrawn and Vader working together. Right. I am anticipating that book to introduce us to Rook and to the Nogri because I hope so yeah because in the you know in the old canon the idea was is that like they were the Nogri were uh, dedicated to to vader like they, they right. worship vader and followed him right. well not not vader but anakin skywalker because well, right. anakin yeah, skywalker anakin. saved them during the clone wars yeah it's something like that it, it, yeah 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 so i'm kind of hoping we get that kind of, or we get some kind of payoff yeah absolutely in, yeah. in this book and maybe this is just kind of pointing towards that uh to get us in that direction so that's cool yeah that and, and i didn't know about that one one other cool canon connection was, uh, and this is just kind of cool on a, a small, you know, it, it is nice that they did this for the actor, but um, uh, the character that um, 
what's his play who played wicket um oh uh, uh, uh warwick davis warwick davis uh he appears with uh emphasis nest gang yes at the end of the movie yep. and it's the same character he played in episode one who oh. was sitting next to uh um yeah he's uh, with jabba or he's you like, know, not not jabba he's sitting next to um uh wado yeah but he's at the, the pod race scene. scene yeah right. yeah yeah yeah. yeah, that's so. Oh, yeah, and nice. you mentioned that in the vigil, guys, that he kind of he had a, a change of heart and turned away from his criminal ways and went and became a rebel, which I think is cool. And I hope he shows up in the future as like a member of the Rebel Alliance or something, because I thought that was that was neat. You know, I know I'm unique in this and like I, I've been living with it for, you know, almost 20 years now. Um, like, I, I really do like episode one. And I am so glad that they that Disney is paying homage to that movie over and over and over again. Yeah. Because a lot of people seem to have this, this uh, misconception that uh, Disney is treating the, the prequels as like, you know, like toxic material that they don't want to touch. Right. And I don't think that's true. No. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they got to know, like, like there's so much richness of story that you could run with. Right. You know, that, well, that I, takes I place mean, in those times. I do think to a certain degree they have, they have been sort of catering to the original trilogy fans. Sure. But the original trilogy th- fans, a lot of them seem to think that's at the expense of the prequel trilogy, but mm-hmm. that's its own generation of fans and they still love star Wars too. And they're, I don't think Disney is discounting them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that there's a lot of way, there's way more lip service to the prequels than there's been in a long yeah. time for star yeah. Wars. So I have no, uh, you know, I, I appreciate Disney at least doing that. Um, okay. If the, any other canon connections or we can kind of, we can wrap up our solo um, talk. Yeah. I think that was, it. it was just, I, like I said, the big things for me was just all the stuff in Dryden Vox's collections and then the connection to the old, uh, solo and Lando novels, which was really like kind of the most fun stuff to me. Yeah. Yeah. Did, I mean, how, how did you feel about, um, oh shit, this is terrible. This is like the forget a name episode, but <laughs> Tobias Beckett, the guy that played Tobias Beckett, Woody Harrelson, uh, Woody Harrelson. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my whole life, I just want to make this clear that this isn't like just tonight, my whole life. I always confuse and I know they don't look anything, really look anything alike. I always confuse Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. And, and I like, I know they're not even remotely related. And yeah, somehow yeah. I just put it's, those two guys together. It's, and it's like, not just you. In okay. fact, it was funny. I think it was, I don't remember where it was, but they were doing an interview with him about solo. And then like one of the questions was, is Woody Harrison related to Matthew McConaughey? And Woody Harrison jokingly says, yeah, he's my brother. <laughs> okay. So it's not just me. <laughs> no, it's not. Because I always want to call him Matthew McConaughey when it's Woody Harrelson. And I'm like, right. oh yeah. shit. Yeah, of course, I remember him from from Cheers because my parents used to watch Cheers all the time. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I I always think of him with, uh, you know, people versus Larry Flint. That's like the main thing I think of him from, uh, even though he's been in other stuff, War for Planet of the Apes. And he's been in a lot over the years. But, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, but how how did you think that Tobias Beckett like came off? Like, I mean, did that character work for you? Yeah, I I, I enjoyed his character. Um, I I did think it was uh, like the only thing I like a criticisms I have not really of him, but like his wife Val, I didn't understand why she basically committed suicide. That made no sense. Agreed. Other yeah. than to provide, you know, dramatic death scene, which you already had that with um, the character that John Favreau was voicing the, the alien four armed alien yeah, guy. The pilot. Yeah. 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 yeah which so, was I mean, well like, done. Very well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. No, that I mean, it was well, but, but her death just kind of felt really hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole character just seemed, I, I know for a while, everybody was hoping that it was Sana, 
uh, right, on a yeah. solo, but yeah. I mean, for what it was, well, it, it was what it was, but yeah, that I agree with you. That did feel kind of, kind of hollow, uh, for such a, a cheap payoff, you know, right. that, that was the reason for it for, you know, for that whole scene in the first place. Um, yeah. I mean, any characters stand out as like a, like a, like a raw negative. I mean, there's no Jar Jars in this movie, you know, like nothing like that. I no. Um, I, I did think that the, uh, the, the crime boss on Corellia was kind of. Oh, Lady stupid. Proxima. Yeah. Lady Proxima. Yeah. She's yeah. even worse when you read, when you read, like there's a novel that came out a couple days ago or a few days ago, most wanted that has to do with the, uh, like Han Solo and Kira's early life yeah. on Corellia. And, and this this isn't a knock on on Jim Henson, but it seemed like a Jim Henson character. Yeah, it was a little too Muppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, but it, it doesn't it doesn't do her Lady Proxima in in like in these novels. It doesn't do her character any service either. So it just kind of gets worse. Okay. Um, but this is something I want to ask you about quick. That I actually I wanted to ask you at the beginning of the episode, but I, I, we'll get it in here. I mean, what did you think of the opening? Because we all, I think everybody, like, it was unanimous panning of Rogue One's right. opening. Like, that yeah, was a right so. sequence. Yeah, because right. it, it sucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you think of this one? You know, just I, like, I liked oh. it. Um, interestingly enough, I, I, I think that in a way it was almost another, like, subtle Harrison Ford reference because it almost seemed like the Blade Runner intro. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. I didn't yeah. think about that, but good, good call. But, the, but the, they did mention that, you know, like the, the one thing that I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know, like they am um, describing the star Wars universe at that time as being an age of lawlessness. And I'm thinking, well, is that really true? Because their whole reason that people embraced the empire was because they were going to, they, they established law and order. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a little odd to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, that is kind of, I mean, like if they wanted to say kind of like how the Dr. Afro comics open up where it's like, it's a time of opportunity. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or if, like they, or if they said, you know, it was like a, 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 an age of corruption and yeah, you know, corruption. things like that. Yeah. I, then I could you know, totally agree with that. But like, yeah, it, it doesn't really make sense to to describe the entire Star Wars universe as being a time of lawlessness yeah yeah agreed but i did like i like the style i liked i mean the, the whole oh, yeah. thing i thought was very yeah, well if, done if, if they do that in future you know one-off star wars story movies all for it do that yeah i mean i've always been i mean granted i grew up in the 80s and 90s i've always been for like the opening um kind of like monologue words not like a crawl like like mm-hmm. star wars does but where like you're just getting flashed I mean, some of the greatest movies and Oscar winning movies have done that where, you know, it's opening up with text. You think Gladiator and some others. Um, so I, I'm a huge fan of that and I love to see it return, you know, where, yeah. where you're just getting like, OK. And I will say that actually the music during the opening did work for that part where yep. it was just kind of like sinister and that worked. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, it did. It did work there. It, it opened very well, which yeah. I think set the tone for the film and it needed to, to have that tone absolutely. Um, set. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, anything else you want to get out there about, about solo a star Wars story? Um, no, I think we covered like most of the big stuff. Let me just, uh, I had a few notes, but um, Oh, the um, another just really small nitpick complaint, but the Wookiee on Kessel that Chewbacca oh, saves. Was that uh, low? Uh, was, uh, Sagwa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was, was right. his name. But I mean, um, I didn't actually see a clear picture of that character until this morning um, and notice it was just the coloration of his face, but it really in the movie looked like he had a shaved face. 
Yeah. And I thought it was like a character. Like, it almost looked like a character from the old Planet of the Apes movies. Yep. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. And that, that really just kind of like, oh, that's that doesn't look good. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. I mean, I guess how do you differentiate between the Wookiees like in a really well and fast fashion? It, that's right. got to be difficult to do. But yeah, yeah I, I agree. Yeah. That did look that did look odd. It looked yeah. very odd. Yeah. And oh, did you want to talk about the droids? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's talk about this because I did mention it in the in my review um, or about the droids. But uh, yeah, right. go go ahead, open her up. What do you, what do you got to bring on with that? Yeah, I well, I mean, like I I pretty much agree with you. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, you you probably haven't seen this, but IO Nine just dropped an article this afternoon uh, titled "Why Don't We Know More About Star Wars Droids." <laughs> and it was just basically another pro droid puff piece. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird, man. So, all right, real quick. I want to pay a tease because last month in April, we did the star Wars update and we said, we'd talk about this like that. When, and you, you know, you brought up the, the beginning letter, which was D and D stood for droids. Right. Okay. This is what we mentioned at the end of the episode. And I talked about it a bit in the sovereign tech review and yeah, like there throughout the books, the comics, even some like off the wall comics, like the one about how C-3PO got his red arm. Right. Like all, all these other things. There's this weird treat droids like people. And look, I'm not against that. I mean, I, like, I think that's fine. And right. But, but it's, it's weaving itself like in small ways. And then sometimes in huge ways. And honestly, in solo, it was in a huge fucking way. Um, right. In the book last shot, it was all over the place in that. In fact, you know, you find out L3 is pretty much still alive or at least a version right. of her in last shot. I, I mean, I mean, I almost wonder if they're going to have like some sort of like you mentioned, a, like a droid rebellion sort of plot. That's yeah, the I mean, center of a, one of these movies. Yeah, you could effectively pull off a Dune, you know, and I think, you know, I think they, they did that like back in the 90s with one of the Star Wars droids comic books that Dark mm-hmm. Horse put out. There was a droid rebellion yeah yeah uh actually it might even had the name rebellion in, in the title of it yeah i, I think so too i i i i don't remember really it's been a long time since i've read it but i remember there was like uh uh like an assassin droid that was kind mm-hmm. of looked like c-3po yeah kind of like a triple zero character yeah yeah from Afra. yeah right and that and that's another thing is the whole triple zero bt you know thing i mean like they're continuing to be a huge presence in that comic book Oh, I mean, and yeah, I mean, right now, triple zero is in charge. I mean, right. he's like, yeah, he's, he's running the show. And right. yeah, I mean, I, I don't, the only, for me, like I said in the review, I mean, the only two possible explanations I have for this, I mean, like they're really, really weaving it in. I mean, it's like they are gems in Marvel, you know, yeah, they're all over the place. And, um, it's, it's either that, yeah, they have some kind of plan at some point to do like all of the organics versus the droids. Like that's going to be a major storyline at some point. Or like, I really, I think somebody at Disney might be afraid of Rocco's Basilisk where he's like, you know, I'm going to write nice about the right. robots that but way I, mean, I don't get tortured. And that's so weird. But I mean, if anybody's going to like know about that sort of thing, it's probably going to be Star Wars fans. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Disney, you know, like the other I just, thing it, and, and Disney too. I mean, cause the other thing it reminds me of is like, um, the, the whole Harry Potter thing with the trolls. Or is it the the not the trolls the um you know the 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 magical little creatures that they use as slave labor in the Harry Potter series? Oh, you you got me Harry Potter. I don't. Yeah, know. I know. I just I, I I've seen the movies because of other people that I'm friends with. But sure. yeah, they they have these basically. They're just a a slave race of of magical creatures. 
you know, like, and, okay. and, and the kids in the movies befriend them and they have like a, a free the, you know, creatures sort of movement and something. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, I mean, I yeah. can see. Well, the other thing, too, is like Disney has, you know, Disney has worked on a bunch of different, like genuine advanced technologies. Um, and this isn't conspiracy theory. It's just something they've done. I mean, Epcot, you look at the maglev train that they have. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other things. And I think a lot of their Imagineers have actually been working on kind of like pseudo AI for a while. So yeah, well, I mean, and they've obviously been working with robotics for a long time. Exactly. Fact, I saw an article recently where, like, I guess one of the uh, the the things they have at um, Walt Disney World is, uh, uh, you know, James Cameron's avatar. I guess they have, like, an avatar animatronic thing. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. supposed to be, like, a really advanced robotic technology they have built into these characters. Right. So, yeah, actually, in the 80s, next to pretty much next to DARPA's funding... Disney was putting the most money into robots in the eighties. I mean, like, and crazy amounts of money into robotics. So, I mean, like they would know, like they'd know about, you know, Roko's Basilisk. I mean, like they'd be that kind of people, the Imagineers there and whatever else. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I can say is it's just, it's so weird. It is, is. you know, it's like, it's one of the rare times where I think there's genuinely some kind of conspiracy theory within a fictional universe but like it's a conspiracy theory around the production of the fictional universe right right well it's 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 not just in like the movies too because i think you have it in in the ancillary you know fiction with the the not like um even in who who i don't like this guy's books but chuck wendig's um um aftermath books you have that character that that battle droid from you know the prequels that he rebuilds and it's like a fairly autonomous you know sort of droid yeah, Mr. Other Bones. than that, it just follows him around like a dog. Right. Well, I mean, and also like now, you know, in The Force Awakens and everything, or like in the Poe Dameron comics, C-3PO, he's not treated like an idiot anymore. He's like in charge of a gigantic spy network. Right, right. And like he's he's legit, you know, like he, he's a, a powerful character. It, right. It's, it's so fucking weird. I mean, that's all I can say about it. And like yeah. I've been noticing it for probably two years now that that i started to see it really started with that with that red arm comic that that one shot where they showed how c-3po got the red arm for me that's where i first noticed it. i said wait it's like what is it because like there's a droid in that that is having like a crisis of conscience and is like thinking it's dreaming and everything like it's a very that is a very strange comic and just about everybody else you know you talk about solo like well we didn't need this movie everybody that read that comic was like what the hell was that like like who, who thought that this comic needed to be out there and yeah. it only makes sense in the light of this major underlying story arc or conspiracy that eventually the droids are well, going to do e- Even if it's not Rocco's Basculus, like you said, Disney has in the past made huge inv- uh, investments in robotics and stuff sure. like that. I mean, it's not really hard to imagine that Disney is going to be probably one of these companies that's pro-AI like Google yeah yeah no you know, and you're almost wondering if they're just kind of like inserting this stuff to like prepare people yeah i mean i could i could picture some predictive programming you know yeah um, i mean even like like you know in the force awakens ray treats bb8 like you know like a human being like oh i'm yeah. sorry you're being yeah, kidnapped well, both and ray and poe i mean right. yeah no, right. like a co-pilot yeah exactly like even more so than luke did r2 yeah, super weird. But in Solo, it really comes to head. I mean, it came yeah. to head in the last shot novel, but right. in Solo, it definitely like it is in your face. This whole idea of you know uh, droid revolution. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what ends up coming to that. Really, I mean, I, I guess that's only oh. time's going to tell. 
So, um, all right. Well, I mean, anything else on solo or anything else in your notes? No, I think I'm all done with my notes. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's get to, so this is something, uh, we'll get, we're going to save the, the fan, uh, work of the month. We're going to save that for uh, the end, but, uh, but let's get to, I did just this past week, I did a top eight star Wars ships and I had to use the term ships because like in star Wars, so much is cool. Like, because you get vehicles, you get all these other things. It's not just like star Trek where pretty much it's starships and that's the order of the day, you know, and maybe some shuttlecraft here and there. Um, so, and, and I said in the episode, I gave my top eight and I said, it was like, you know, I got to ask Robin, like what his top eight is. <laughs> and man, like, you know, we, we talked a little bit before the show and you're like, oh, I don't have a top eight. I have like three separate lists. It and... was hard, man. It was so <laughs> hard just to narrow it down to eight ships. Cause I just, I love star Wars so much. I mean, and you don't understand like, like one of the, the things that really got me deeply ingrained in the star Wars. And I've talked about this before was the, uh, the West end games, RPG. Yeah, and they were so big in establishing the canon for and the technical background and knowledge about the ships. Yeah, they were and meticulous. Then they add, and then they added more ships, and so just like I mean, there's just and and there's just such a huge collection of really cool stuff there in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and, and it, in the '90s we had so many great um, like essential guides. They called them at the time. Right. And yeah, I still have all of those. Yeah, those are those were awesome. Like I poured through those. Like yeah, in, in fact, um, not only did I do I still have those guides, but what I did was is when I uh, when I got those guides, is is that I went and found the uh, the role playing game stats for those ships and wrote mm-hmm. them down in those essential guide books, so that I'd have <laughs> an all in one reference library of you know both star wars ships and role-playing knowledge oh i love it i love it yeah th- those those books and all that was was absolutely amazing so yeah i totally understand why like you couldn't break it down to just like an eight you had to do three separate lists with an yeah, eight each. i had to do uh star fighters transports and capital ships so you all know right. basically small medium large yeah. <laughs> all right let's do let, let, let let's go through them okay okay we'll we'll, we'll, we'll try and kind of blaze but let's go through them. I want to let's start with the starfighters, then we'll do transports and capital ships. Okay, so uh, and, and that's a good because that's exactly the order I have it written in. So right on. we do that. Um, so coming in at number eight is uh, the Alpha Class XG1 Starwing, or better known as the Assault Gunboat from uh, Tie Fighter. Oh yeah, yeah. nice. So like the the thing like it's a really cool looking and it's a very kind of almost unimperial looking ship. Yeah, yeah. Because it's very aerodynamic looking. It doesn't look anything like any of their TIE fighters or anything. But the really cool thing about this ship was it was the first time in that game, TIE fighter, where you got into the ship and you're like, okay, I'm no longer sitting in a tin can with lasers. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) It was the first ship that really kind of felt like it was a match for the X-Wing. Yeah, and and this kind of had like it, didn't it kind of have an X-Wing, like a, like, the the wings would make the shape of an X. Am I remembering? No, it was, it was more like a star shape, like half of a star. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's right. like a starburst shape. Yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. I, I know the ship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's a great pick. I mean, anything from Tie Fighter from the game is going to be a great pick, but that's a great pick. And it won't be the last one, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> so number seven would be uh, uh, the Blade Wing, and I don't mean the B-Wing that we see for the first time in Return of the Jedi, I'm talking about the prototype 
that was oh, from Rebels. Rebels? Yes, yes. The orange one. That, yes, uh, the orange one. Yeah, that that Hera flew. Right. Which... Well, Hera and Sabine, because they had the separate uh, uh, gunnery pod down at the bottom. Right. And it had that super powerful weapon that they could just fire once, but it was like really packed. I mean, it took out a whole starship. Yeah. You know, the, in fact, that episode um, and that that whole flight, especially when Harris first like testing it out, mm-hmm. I thought that was just some of the best Star Wars. Like it was it was exhilarating watching yeah. and like the music. Kevin Kiner talk about great music. Kevin Kiner fucking delivered. You know, and, I was thinking that earlier. It would be great if they got Kevin Kiner to do a soundtrack for one of these movies. Yeah, he needs that needs to happen. A lot of people are pushing for that, and I'm glad because he would have killed John Powell. Right. Uh, so yeah, but that that episode in particular, I think I thought was a brilliant. I think it was like season two or three or three. I think, I it, was think it was season. Three. I thought it was season two. I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe it's two, but yeah, I knew it was. It is, it is one of my favorite episodes throughout the entire series, and for a number yeah. of reasons. Uh, for one, because you know the uh, the character that. Uh, designed to be wing query is a reference to Ralph McQuarrie, right. artist from, you know, the original trilogy and um, the planet that he's developing the ship on was uh, the planet Chantipole, which was a reference to the old West end games, role-playing game, because um, the story behind that was, is they had the development project for the B wing was called project Chantipole. It wasn't a planet. It was the name of the project. Yeah. Okay. Right. And uh, Admiral Akbar was the one that was kind of like the brain behind it. Yeah. You know. Okay. So now they mentioned this in the Tie Fighter game. Like, yes. Project Chantipole is one of the things that you're trying to like capture shit from. Right. If, right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I knew I recognized like Chantipole. Like, yeah. You know. Well, Tie Fighter's a, a lifestyle. We all know that. So, yeah. Great pick. Um. Awesome pick on that because I that was one of the first episodes I remember. Where I was like, okay, this was great. Like, like you know, Star Wars Rebels is really great. So, okay, what else we got? Uh, number six, the uh, the Comrade class Gauntlet Starfighter, which was the uh, the ship that the Mandalorians were using in the Clone Wars. That okay. uh, kind of had the rotating wings. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They had the right, similar design. Yeah, they had a similar design in Rebels, but it was smaller. And yeah. it was also the same ship that that Maul was using in Rebels because he he basically had one of those and repainted it all red and black. And that was that's actually my favorite version of that particular kind of ship hell yeah yeah so that that's the one where like the wings could flip up right right well they kind of spin yeah 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 okay. like a central cockpit and the wings can kind of like spin and they have the the laser mounts on the wings themselves so you kind of get like this this rotating gatlin gun fire yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah. all right great pick yeah. on that one okay uh was it number are we on to number five five yes uh, the, uh, the tie SF from, uh, uh, force awakens and, uh, last Jedi. Yeah. So, this, this could have made mine too. Go, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, this, this kind of like fixes everything that's wrong with, with the base tie fighter, right? You get you shields shields, and you've got a, a gunnery station with a rear firing arc. Yes. This yeah. Is a deadly ship. Yeah. And I almost, kind of, I almost feel it's kind of underserved. And, and the prequel movies, because you don't really get to see, I think, it perform as well as it can. Yeah. And the one thing I don't like about it, so the SF stands for Special Forces. The one right. thing I, I, I have a model of it actually up above me here. But I do too. Um, yeah. The, the one thing I don't like about it, I hate the white solar panels on it. Yeah. I mean, it's that's kind of the thing with all the, the, the uh, uh, first order TIE fighters. They just yeah, kind of reverse the colors. Yeah. You know? Um, but, but, but I mean, just, just 
from a technical standpoint, that's a great ship. Agreed. No, I, I agree. That was one of the best things I thought to come out of the force awakens, frankly. So yeah, great pick. Okay. Uh, number four. So I'm sure I was actually surprised this wasn't on your list, but, uh, the star Viper from shadows of the empire. Yeah. So the only reason this wasn't on, so that, that Shizor's ship, right? Shizor's. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one day we'll, we'll get the canon pronunciation of that because like the chair said it wrong and you know, in the beginning of the book and it's like it, it, the chair is saying Shizor, but then it's Zizor, whatever. Anyway, so whatever. potato, potato. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the only reason it didn't make my list was because I was trying to stick with only like one kind of non. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing I didn't like about your list is you were trying to restrain yourself too much. Like, no, Star Wars ships, love them all the way. Love everything. Yeah. Because I love the ship and Prince Shizor is one of my favorite characters. I know um, overall. Yeah. And and it's such a great design too. It is really kind of aggressive and sinister looking. Yeah. Is this the one that's made? Huh? Is this the one that's made by the insectoid race? Um, maybe I'm confusing. Anyway, no, the the Verpine, yeah, those, those were they they co-developed originally in the expanded universe. They were the ones that co-developed the B-wing with the Rebel Alliance. Right. Okay. That. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I really don't. I mean, the ship speaks for itself. Yes. Just look at it. Yeah. And I mean, I'd like say, the big cannons that come down the whole. Yeah. I I'd, I'd say this thing's even more aggressive looking than anything that the Imperials have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary looking ship, uh, yeah. you know, when, when you see it and do you, I think you got to fly one in, in the game shadows of the empire at one point, or at least you fly against it. I know you go. Yeah, you do fly, yeah. I think the only ship you fly in the game was, um, um the outrider. The YT, yeah. The outrunner. Yeah. Yeah. The 2400. Yeah. Right. Right. Great pick. Yeah. I, okay. I have no argument there. Um, number three. And, and I know you wanted to put this one on your list cause you did kind of sort of mention it was the tie phantom. Yeah. I love this thing. Yeah. Yeah, from Rebel Assault 2, uh, I mean, again, the cloaking device on a TIE fighter, how can you go wrong? You, know? you can't. I mean, it, it, and it is just a, a, you talk about space superiority fighter, that's that's it. It feels like it in the game, too, when because you get to fly one. You steal one, yeah, effectively, right. in Rebel Assault 2. And, and it's it kind is, of a shame that there aren't any other games where you get to fly that thing. Or even fly against it. Like I, I just, yeah. I would have loved to have seen it somewhere else. Um, I, yeah. I love both of those games. Both Rebel Assault games, I thought were awesome. It is. Uh, they did release a ship for it in the um, the Final uh, Fantasy Flight Games um, uh, miniature game. Oh, okay, okay. It's there, so it's kind of cool, and it is a nice ship. Yeah. Okay, uh, number two, the uh, and I, and maybe I'll get some flack from this. I don't know, but I I love the Tie Silencer, Kylo Ren's new Tie Fighter. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's such a step up from I mean, and the Tie Interceptor is already a great ship, and this is a step up from that. Yeah, it's like it's it you know it's a Dodge Viper version of the Tie Fighter. I Absolutely, mean, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, this just really is kind of like the 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 sports car Tie Fighter. Yeah, I mean, especially it just has... with those, those those ruby red windows in the cockpit. Yeah, it has such beautiful lines, and it, I mean, it really looks like a sleeker uh, Tie Advanced X One, yeah. which is also cool because it kind of looks like Granddaddy's. It, it's, it's um, it 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 is a kind of a departure for the Tie Fighter because it's a lot bigger than your standard Tie Fighter, right. like any model. It's even bigger than the well, I mean, number one pick is is the Tie Defender. Woo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, just I mean, like everything that you said about it, I agree one hundred percent. This is like the best starfighter in all star it always will be hands yeah. down no yeah, argument this, 
No, exactly. On on my on my top eight that I did, this was my number one ship, just of them all. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it is the best. Uh, it, I mean, is. it really is the best. It looks awesome. I mean, it looks so fucking fierce. You don't know how the hell it's going to land, but it looks, you know, because of the, 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 the wing designs. But I mean, it's still such a badass looking little ship or man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it, it it's not just badass looking, but I mean, it is it like you said, with the, the, the tractor beam on it. Yep. And it having, you know, both uh, ion cannons and, you know, four laser cannons. I mean, this this ship really packs a punch. Yeah, yeah. You almost want like like a, a celebrity death match, but with Star Wars ships and just have like, you know, have the Defender go against the TIE SF. And, you know, still like it'd be awesome to still, still see still, the Defender win. Uh, yeah, I still think the Defender to win. I'm like, I, I almost, I, I feel like it would be unfair to pit um, <laughs> one ship against any tie defender i think you would almost have to take two of any other ship in the star wars or starfighter in the star wars universe and put it against the tie defender because the tie defender is just that good yeah i mean and you know something i love that filoni did in rebels is because that's where we get to have it as canon in the new canon Um, he makes the point that tarkin liked the tie defender project more than he liked the death star and I just think that speaks volumes. Like right. I'm, I'm right. like, oh, that was like, that was so cool. Cause that, that felt like Filoni saying to all the kids that grew up, which I imagine he probably did too. Everybody that grew and not that he was a kid, but everybody that grew up playing tie fighter, like here's your moment. Here's your golden award. You know, the baddest guy in the universe, that being grand Moff Tarkin says, this is the project we should be funding. Right. This is, well, the and, and it also speaks to the genius of of Thrawn yep. that he recognizes the big flaw in the entire TIE fighter program that, you know, if you're going to fight a serious war, uh, it, it's not just going to be a matter of throwing, you know, massive numbers at the enemy. You need something that can outmatch anything else the enemy has. Yeah. You need space superiority. And right. I mean, just, just to bring it like the TIE fighter game where the TIE defender originated from Thrawn is in that like Thrawn is referenced Thrawn is in right. the opening scene um, or opening cutscenes of the game. Um, I mean, so it fits, it, it works like, and, and it fits in with his mentality when you read air to the empire. Right. Um, so yeah, totally. So great, great choice for number one. I, I won't argue anything against it. So, <laughs> all right, let's go to the transports. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, top eight transport coming in at uh, number eight would be uh, the millennium Falcon. And sure. The only, yeah. the only reason why this isn't higher is because the YT 1300 is really is just kind of like the, the, stock freighter of the entire star wars universe yeah it's the workhorse yeah it is it really is i mean there's not just and and you talked about the uh the falcon being in uh revenge of the sith um it wasn't the only yt 1300 in that movie mm-hmm. and there were also several yt 1300s at the spaceport in attack of the clones yes on Naboo. yeah yeah so, i mean point. like there was like three of them there so i mean like there are just like an overabundance of of yt 1300s in the star wars universe so like yeah, that's that's the reason it doesn't appear higher in my list. The Millennium Falcon's a great ship, but the 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 stock model that's based on is just kind of like ho hum. Yeah, I mean, without the advancements that were put into the Millennium Falcon, the YT thirteen hundred, right? It's not anything to write home about. I right, agree. right. Sure. So number seven, um, the uh, the Lambda class shuttle. Nice. I yeah. loved this ship from the first moment when I saw <laughs> it. I I mean this this is kind of like the limousine of the star Wars yes. universe. Yeah. It's such a classy piece of work. Um, I remember like, just kind of like constantly haranguing my parents. Like 
I need the Imperial shuttle and like at least two Imperial guards. Like that was just like my whole quest in life was to have those things. Yeah. I mean, that was one of my first toys uh, that I remember growing up was, was having the Lambda class shuttle. I mean, and, and it was, it was big. Like, I mean, you know, granted I was a yeah. very little kid, but it was like that, that the top wing and everything. I mean, that was right. huge. It was a huge yeah. toy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. A great choice. I, I no argument here. Okay, so number uh, six, uh, the Ebon Hawk from um, the Old Republic. Ebon Hawk. That was the oh, yeah, ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that um, uh, Revan. Yeah, the Darth yeah. Revan. Yeah, right. And and really, like, I mean, it is not like, it, it is not really a kind of really stunning looking ship. Mm-hmm. This one kind of like opposite to like almost like the Falcon. I like I pick it just for its its prominence and notoriety. Sure. There was a there was a time in the Star Wars universe that was like the most sought after ship in the entire universe. Right. Everybody was looking for the Ebon Hawk. Right. It was a truly legendary ship. Yeah, you know, I, I'll just say this quickly. Like, if I if I allowed for more um, old canon uh, ships in my list, like a lot of stuff from Tales of the Jedi or the Knights of the Old Republic era would have made it, especially Tales of the Jedi, because like those ships were so grandiose and like. I don't even know how to describe it because they, they look kind of clumped together, but they were beautiful mm-hmm. and just huge at the same time. And like they had these wild wing structures and everything. Right. It was right. really, really unique. Yeah, especially and, in the, the tales of the Jedi, you just yes. had those just, and they were kind of like these very asymmetrical looking ships. Yeah. Which was like very cool for Star yeah, Wars. Real works of art, real works yeah. of art. Um, yeah. they, a lot of any of those could have made it into my list. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, and I think, I mean, I, I did look up some of those and, and fortunately not all of them have like, have like classified names. Right. Yeah. So, so, so the next number five, yeah. Number five, um, this one's going to be, I think one that a lot of people haven't heard of, and it's just a personal favorite for, of mine. And that's the, uh, the ski spray blast boat from, um, heir to the empire in the Thrawn trilogy which is the, um, the ship that um, Luke and Mara Jade escaped from, um, uh, what's his name's uh, outpost, where the Empire is looking for them. Oh, I, Talon I, Hard. Talon yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's just really interesting. It's, it's almost like a naval-looking ship, mm-hmm. and it has this cool thing where, like, the, the, uh, the wings pivot in the back. Right, yeah, I yeah, I'm, I'm picturing it now. It took me a second, but I I know what you I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, and it was just it was like to me it was like this really like for me it was like the first time that you saw kind of like a a a transport that could also fit as sort of like a starfighter role. Sure, sure, fair. Yeah, good choice. Okay, uh, number four the uh, the the Nubian Nabu Royal Starship. Yeah, uh, episode one. I love that thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, talk about a Porsche. I mean, right. You know, yeah. Talk about the limo. I mean, that like that's that thing's sexy. Yeah, it I really mean, is. Like, say, say whatever you will about episode one. I, I might not agree with you or, or, or I might agree with you, but like that, that ship was just damn sexy. And it was, it, it was, it was, and, and it was a huge departure for what you'd seen in the star Wars universe, but it worked. Yeah, it wasn't utilitarian like we were used to. Uh, no, it really yeah. was a, a big statement of yeah, what the and universe it, was it, like. It just time. brought some real class to the Star Wars universe, like kind of like above, like even the, uh, and that's why it's higher than the Lambda shuttle. Sure, because like you know, like the the like this is Lambda shuttle is kind of like you know really classy car, but the 
the uh, the Naboo ship. I mean, that's kind of like Rolls Royce territory. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah, Lucas with his brilliance. I mean, or you know, he, he's a big fan of cars. He obviously delivered. Uh, like that attitude. I'm sure he brought that attitude to the design when he was, you know, talking to Doug Chying or whatever. Right. And, uh, yeah. It's stunning. Yeah. I agree with you there. So next um, this is going to be overlap with your list. The, uh, the scimitar Sith infiltrator. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Especially this after you read is, I mean, the like you, I, I hear again, talking about episode one, say what you will, but like they just had great ships. Yeah. And an awesome movie. design. Yeah. all over those movies yeah. like the 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 cinematography or well the not the cinematography but just the design i guess the design language all that stuff was just was gorgeous i mean right. like they really are beautiful films right. visually and, and and talk about you know paying respect and homage to the the original trilogies you had those kind of like hints of the tie fighter in that ship right yeah yeah absolutely and then like i said in my in my top eight um you know, the fact that it's still advanced when you get to the time when Lando Calrissian is alive because it's in the Lando, right. the, the original Lando comic and I, series. And I loved it that was in that comic book series. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's already a really great, probably the best series that Marvel's done so far. Yes. The fact that they added that ship in there is just like cream, you know, icing on the cake. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. So, all right. So were we up to number one? Uh, no, number two. Okay. Number two, we have the, uh, the Otana or the YT-2000 from X-Wing Alliance. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. good describer. I mean, this uh, is a beautiful so, ship. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a variation on the, uh, you know, Carillion Engineering Corporation ships, like the Millennium Falcon. But it was like, instead of having the, uh, the cockpit to the side, it had the, uh, the cockpit coming out from the center between the two mandibles. Yeah, it's it's a it's a YT freighter that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah, it is, and and well, it had like really just, and it was actually, um, um, it was a uh, a thinner ship, but it was taller too. Right. So they had like bigger gunnery section, you know, on the, the top on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah, or, I mean, it didn't look like the ghost, but it made sense like the ghost. Right. Right. You know, from Rebels. So, all right. So, what do you got for number one? Well, you already said it. <laughs> Should have known. This almost <laughs> made my list. I I know what you're saying. <laughs> so yeah, the the VCX 100, the Ghost. I mean, I I I I love this ship so much. Like if I was to have a ship in the Star Wars universe for me and my crew to hang right. out with, this would be it. Yeah, it's a ship that like you know it's amazing because like the ship really gave you you know we talked about it when we reviewed rebels in a previous star wars update how the show felt like family this is a ship that facilitates like right. that kind of family that kind right. of connection that kind of deep and, connection. and that's and that's one of the things i love about it so much is it really is sort of just you know, kind of like the non-traditional family unit sort of ship you know exactly uh, yeah yeah, I, 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 and I just, I, I have many fond feelings. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but they, uh, ha- that's the ship that Han Solo was bluffing that he owned in Solo when he oh, plays yeah, that he first. The VCX, yeah, right. he yeah. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody goes, "Ooh, that's a nice ship." I'm like, "Damn right." <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's nice, and you know, a lot of people talk shit about the book A New Dawn. Um, which is the Star Wars Rebels prequel I novel. I like that book. I did too. And one of the things I liked about it is how they talk about a lot of the technicals of the ghost. Yeah. And they yeah. say like all the stealth technologies that she built into it. Awesome. Right. Great. Yeah. You know, and I mean, was, we're not getting a cloaking device, but and, cool. 
and only I mean the great thing about that book too is you got like an adult take on those characters. Yes. Yeah. You know? Like yep, you right. actually kind of like of course at the end you have explicit, you know, evidence of Kane and Harry's relationship. Right. But through New Dawn, you see that that was going on from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's I, I, definitely like chemistry between these two characters. Yeah, I like that book. I mean, even like the way that they introduce her in it, I thought made her like a badass character. Um, yeah, absolutely. This, yeah, I I think that that book really gets a short shrift for some reason. I don't understand why, but I don't either. But it, I yeah, I I do. I really enjoy. It. It's not my top book. No, no, can, not at all. But it's it's definitely up there. Yeah. So, all right, do we got the capital ships now? Or do yeah, you really the want capital to say ships. The okay, so um, number number eight is going to be obvious. It's the Imperial class star destroyer. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is, yeah, it really is. I mean, it's 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 the first ship that wows everybody in Star Wars. Yeah, I if mean, talk about the original trilogy. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it just says strength. It's just yeah, it is. It is. So it is a. Pre- it is the the epitome of the projection of force. Yeah, yeah that's a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, number seven. Uh, the uh, the dreadnought heavy cruiser from uh, uh, Dark Force Rising. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, from the, the Empire trilogy. The, yeah, yeah. The the Katana fleet. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's, no, and that's why are... I love this because I thought it was just so uh, a cool concept to have like a, a massively slaved rig like fleet yeah. that they control. Cause in, uh, you know, apparently like this normally took a crew of like tens of thousands and they cut it down to hundreds. Right. And yeah, I just and it's a good it was, looking ship too. I mean, it it's is, got like yeah. a nice design I mean, it, and we get it is, it, cylinder. Yeah. Right. Right. And it, and it, I mean, it's, it's very utilitarian looking, but it works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that was one of the first hints we ever got of things that existed during the old Republic back then. Right. And it, it kind of oozed what we expected of the old Republic. And so, right. Yeah. yeah. It was almost a shame that they, they didn't include that in the prequels at all. Yeah, they did. Now in the old expanded universe, if I remember right, they found like, well, they find the fleet, but right. Um, the new Republic ends up converting some of these, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But took the majority of them. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean that, that was, yeah, really cool stuff. A great pick there. Awesome. Okay. Uh, numbers at six. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the MC 80 Mon Calamari cruiser. So this is the, the big boy. This is the big boy. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like return of the Jedi. I just thought it was just such a beautiful looking ship and it was so unique just in starships period. I don't talk, care what universe you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, the bubble designs and everything right, on it. Right, I mean, and, it, it, and the fact that later around we found out that, you know, that these ships were originally like Mon Calamari cities underneath, you know, the right. ocean. It's just like such a cool little aspect. That they they were able to 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 convert their, their you know, where they lived into, you know, starships. Yeah, it speaks something to like the rebellion, like the attitude of the rebellion. Where like, look, everything. Well, and the Mon Calamari too. You know, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just like the, you get the impression these are like a species of brilliant engineers. Yeah, yeah, and it looks at yeah. I mean, as beautiful, you know, like the old saying goes, as beautiful as they are deadly. Um, I mean, th- that was definitely the case of the MC eighties. Yeah, nice, nice, nice choice there. Yeah. So this is the next one uh, is going to be one probably I would say nobody else has heard of. And this is one of those West End games, role-playing games um, uh, ships, is the uh, the Far Star. And it was actually a role-playing game campaign written by Timothy Zahn. 
Whoa. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the Far Star was a, uh, a modified Carillion Corvette, you know, like you see that uh, Princess Leia has in A New Hope. Yep. The blockade uh, but, runner. Beautiful. But they, um, but they added uh, a section onto it that actually added a, uh, a hangar for starfighters. And it was almost like um, the Battlestar Galactica sort of hangar. Oh, okay. Where it launches out of the side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So nice. it, was, it was really cool. I mean, it, and and this is another one. It was like one of the things I love about Star Wars ships is just kind of like like they have these capital ships that kind of serve as like they could be unto themselves mobile, you know, like bases. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's this, definitely a thing in Star Wars. Yeah, and this and this kind of like for me epitomized that. Yeah, I mean, and you know, just real quick on that. I mean, it is interesting. You you get practically no space stations in Star Wars, um, and that's mainly because kind of what you said, where like each one of these ships can really be a you know mobile base unto themselves. I mean, you right. get more in kind of other mediums, but like certainly in the movies. I mean, you you know, it's the Death Star, and that's about it. Okay, next we have the um, the Hammerhead Crass Cruiser, and. I actually prefer the one from the older public game as opposed to one that showed up in, you know, rebels and rogue one. Okay. Yeah. I just thought it was just like the, the design of the ship is really cool. It was cool. It happened in rogue one though. Where like, it yeah, rams, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that was probably, into the other. <laughs> yeah. I'd say that's probably like the, the, the coolest use of the ship, but <laughs> so far as the look of the ship, I think the one in the old Republic actually looked cooler. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree because it, it was it was a little sleeker looking. the The one in 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 the new canon is kind of kind of beefy. Yes. Yeah. Yep. True. Yeah. No, it is prettier back in the day. That's that's a fact. Okay. Um, number three, and this is just going to be another variation of the same thing we were talking about before: is the um, the Trade Federation battleships from yeah, uh, the, the prequel series, the ring shaped. I mean, like yeah. Yeah, those. I just thought it was a brilliant design. Yeah, I agree. I th- I think they're really cool. Um, yeah, and then when you saw in um, Attack of the Clones, uh, the the Battle of Geonosis, they actually the like the center portion of the ship was a separate thing that could separate. Right. Because they showed those launching up in the atmosphere, so I, yeah, I just thought like, land. yeah, yeah, and I just I, that was really it's cool. Here again, it is just another very excellently designed sort of mobile base station sort of ship. Yeah. I mean, even when you get Anakin flying through it in episode one and like you, you, you really get a look through the innard and how, you know, you can go yeah. right through. I mean, yeah. I, I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome that you can. Yeah. Do that. And other than the design flaw of that, he was able to, to go in there and blow up the engines. Right. Uh, it, it, I just thought that was, that was here again. It's almost kind of like the Battlestar Galactica in, yes. in a sense. Yeah. The way that you could, you could launch the vulture droids. Right. Right. Yeah. Nice, which that could, you know, vulture droids could have made my list because I, I always thought that those were actually pretty cool. I know they're dumb, but like, or, you know, like mentally they're. Yeah, I, I was always kind of partial to the, um the, uh, I forget what they call, but they were the kind of like the tri droids. They were like. The droidicas? No, 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 no. The, um they, they, they were starfighters. Oh. They had like three kind of like curved wings. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. The ones from episode three, right? Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, I can't think of their name either, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Okay. Number two, the, uh, the interdictor class star destroyer. Yeah. This is the one that really makes the empire work. You talk about (laughs) the, 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 the imperial class star destroyers being the projection of power. The, the, the interdictor 
is the one that it gives the empire its iron grip on trade right and just movement throughout the universe because these like, are the ones when, that generate their own gravity wells right right right, yeah. right and they just they can just park themselves in in any traffic you know uh, a hyperspace lane and 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 interdict all the traffic and that's just like that gives them so much power and control yeah over you're the just galaxy screwed. I yeah. mean, I, otherwise, like without the ship existing, I don't know how the empire works. Yeah, right. How do you maintain it? You know, right, if you can't right. like just put a complete stop to any ship nearby. Yeah, even in hyperspace, that's so cool. Okay, uh, number one, the Eclipse class star destroyer, oh. the Dark Empire. So, like people, you got to understand, this star destroyer <laughs> is fucking huge. Like <laughs> it's just a giant black. <laughs> star destroyer yeah and it has this cool like the front of it is it looks like a battleship like i mean like it kind of comes down like it's cutting through like like battleships are designed to cut through water it also is like an icebreaker or something yeah Yeah. oh man no yeah yeah that's that's a that's a perfect number one i yeah (laughs) i i just uh, and the the, my only criticism is that they didn't use it to its full potential in the comic book Right, they had that super laser built into the uh, the the hull, and they yeah, never that, use it. That was fantastic. That that was so cool. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that ship. Yeah, great, great number one to to pick there. Um, man, all right. So, well, awesome list. I mean, that, that's that's all you. I can say to that. I mean, that's that's a brilliant list, and I I wouldn't argue with much of any of it. Uh, I mean, like all or all three lists, I wouldn't argue with much of any of them. But a nice breakdown, and some boy, you, you took me down memory lane on some of those. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I have a great love for for all of Star Wars, including the expanded universe. I mean, you know, like, just the, you know, I, I agree with you that in many ways Star Trek is superior, and I do agree that in some ways they have better looking ships at times, but Star Wars has just the greatest variety of ships of any like science fiction universe. Yeah, it really does. I mean, there's a reason we could get so many guides out of it. I mean, way yeah. more than what Star Trek has. Right. You know, and and within what is effectively it was its canon at the time. I mean, like right. it was really yeah, there you you could dive that's that's always been one of Star Wars greatest strengths is you you really feel like you could live in that universe, you know, and like there's just so much it's so rich and so detailed. Uh more so than just about any other franchise that I can really think of. So, All right. Uh, do you want to move yeah. on to the next subject? Yeah, let's get to the uh, let's get to the fan. Let's get to our, our fan oh, yeah. pick of the month. Yeah, and, and then I think one. we'll wrap this up. So this is a Star Wars comic and it's a Star Wars comic dot com. Of course, link is in the show notes for this episode um, if you want to check it out. But tell me all about this, Robin. Um, this is this is a fan done comic and it's really professionally done. And I don't just mean the art, the stories, the writing is good and it is, it is basically star wars short fiction in comic book form and then they're the uh they're they're kind of you know one-off stories all throughout different eras of the star wars universe and uh it's it's i i don't want to say too much about it because i don't want to spoil it for anybody sure. i just want want people to to go and check this out because this is really like kind of cream of the cop crop fan work yeah, I mean, I've I've briefly looked at it, and it is gorgeous. I mean, like what what everything that's on display here is is absolutely stunning. Yeah, um, and and they're continuing to work on it. it. They're still coming out with new issues all the time, 
it's it's being expanded on and they they integrate stuff from all throughout different areas of star wars including the original trilogy and the prequels and the sequel era there's there's something there for everybody yeah yeah i mean this this looks again just just wonderful uh and speaks to you know how easy it is to create this kind of thing you know for star wars like not every franchise have i like you know i'll tell you something i would never make a fan work for like babylon 5 because i feel like that that universe is so tightly knit and not so open as to where star wars yeah you can just run roughshod like this you know uh it's really uh, yeah yeah this is gorgeous yeah Um, it's it's, and it's like i said it's well written too it's it's not kind of like you know i i think my personal opinion is is fan fiction gets a bad rap especially in star wars but um i would say this is even a cut above most fan fiction yeah yeah i'm going to be reading this i'm going to be checking this out uh because yeah, I mean, I, I can always consume more Star Wars. I'm more than yeah. happy to do that. And, I do and, and the art really kind of reminds me of like kind of the older. It's kind of more like um, what I would like to see Marvel doing instead of the kind of um, hyper realistic look that they're trying to go for. Yeah, this um, feels more like a DC comic, honestly. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the the I think the only person in a Marvel right now that's doing this kind of Star Wars comic is is Luke Ross with the um the Thrawn comic. I'd say it's yeah. probably that same quality of art. Sure, sure. No, yeah, I I would agree because like even when it when like I'm looking at some of the panels, even when it's smaller characters, I mean it's highly detailed. Yeah. Um, what they and have. These people, these people know their Star Wars. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Clearly. So. Yeah, great pick. I love it. So that's a starwarscomic.com. That's where you can check out all of that. Um, are there any particular issues you wanted to bring up uh, th- that are like really great from it? Um, or? Well, I mean, like they just did a, a Han Solo issue is the most recent one. Okay. And it doesn't tie into the movie at all because these people don't have any kind of like forward knowledge. Sure. Uh, of the uh, what's going to happen in the movies. But I mean, it's just if, 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 if you watch Solo and you're wanting more Han Solo stories, go check out the latest issue. Nice. Which is, uh, I think it's issue 15. Yeah. Number 15. So, and that's from this year, 2018. So yeah, starwarscomic.com. That's the website. Check this stuff out. I, I love the look of it. I think that's phenomenal. Um, so, all right, well, I'm going to ask you this, Robin, we'll end off with this. I mean, how do you feel the state of star Wars is right now after solo? Um, you know, there's I almost have to answer that question in, in two ways because I think the state of like the Star Wars franchise uh, is is it. I mean, there's room for criticism. There's always room for improvement. Sure. But it's 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 doing okay. Um, I do think Disney has a um, a marketing problem. Yeah, I would agree. And it's it's trickling out into the fan base, and things are getting kind of ugly in the fan base. Yeah, and it's really kind of disheartening because when I went to Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim in 2015, everybody was kind of like just super friendly and getting along and we all love Star Wars. And now there just seems to be this attitude where like if you like or dislike certain parts of Star Wars, well, then you're that kind of person. Yeah. Whatever that means, you know. But yeah. there's a there's a there's a dividing line. In. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, and it, it is not a great feeling at all no. uh, because I'm not, and I'm not used to it. Like, you you know, we used to be able to talk about, well, I didn't like this novel. I didn't like this novel. 
but now it seems like the stakes are so high with what Disney's putting out there. Yeah. That people are like right. upping their, their fandom stakes as well. Right. And, and there's all these uh, conspiracy theories and, and whatnot yep. about, you know, uh, you know, what their agendas. I mean, we've talked about this before. Lucasfilm's agenda is to make money. Yeah. And if, if they've got, you know, admittedly, if they've got a marketing problem, you know, that's just a mis- miscalculation on their part. And I don't think you can blame any one person on it because right now there's this thing going on where people are trying to get Kathleen Kennedy fired. Right. And I don't think it's, uh, you can lay it all on her because um, there's, like I said before, there's a lot of hands in the Star Wars pie right now. That's one of the problems. The other problem is, is you've got people all the way up at the top uh, kind of micromanaging the franchise. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Bob Iger is is deeply invested in everything going on Star Wars. As far as I hear, he's he's there at every pitch meeting, at every script review. He gets all the dailies. He makes frequent set visits to all the movies. I mean, he's got his hands deep in this stuff. He's like to the point where I think he's neglecting the rest of his business to micromanage Star Wars. Yeah. I, I feel like, and, and Solo kind of bolsters this, I, I almost feel like Disney has a 100-year plan with Star Wars, and that's why Iger's so deep, and that's, like, like they're banking some pretty serious futures on on Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I really feel that, and I, I know and, they, they put down a lot of money for it in the first place, but they've already, they've got to have made that back. And um, and I'm, I'm worried about Star Wars fatigue just getting worse. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, they've announced far more movies now than I thought they would have because there was a thing that came out uh, a couple of years ago before The Last Jedi came out talking. Uh, and, and this was an official thing. It, it wasn't it wasn't a, a, you know, a rumor or anything talking about their plans for the future of Star Wars. And they were saying there was going to be a break after episode nine. And now it seems like they've done away with that because they've got all they've got the Boba Fett movie. They've got Ryan Johnson's trilogy. They've got the star Wars TV show. Um, I'm, is there another movie I'm leaving? I'm sure there is. They've got more movies planned, but it just, it, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's becoming a big excessive. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they're, they're pattering after Marvel and they're thinking they can't do enough uh, like with Marvel, but I don't. And, and they're going way overboard with the merchandising. Yeah, the it's, merchandising thing's ugly too. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, and and like, you know, they're they're they, uh, the last Jedi toys and stuff. Like, uh, I think it's left a bad taste in retailers' mouths because uh, I'm hardly seeing any uh, solo merch in right. stores. Uh, I was talking to you about this beforehand, but I actually I couldn't find uh, the uh, the solo guide or the art book in any stores near me, and I'm living in Southern California. Yeah. Right. You're in the hot spot. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to echo like uh, pretty much everything you said. Um, like the thing, the thing that's feeling weird to me after seeing solo is how pointless the last Jedi, like I like the last Jedi. I, I yeah, still me too. like it, yeah. but the movie, like I feel no need to watch it because I don't think it adds anything to the star Wars universe. Like, I mean, that's just the way I feel about it is yeah. that, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate where, because I, I, I felt like they were, they were trying to do something different with it. Yeah. They're trying to do something special. I agree. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that they didn't execute it very well, that is on them. But at the same time, you know, 
the, the, the effort was there. Yeah. 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 I mean, no, I, I know, I know. And, and like solo, like I said, I don't feel a need to like go out and see solo again, but at the same time, like I got what I wanted out of solo. My, my star Wars universe just got a lot, just got bigger, you right. know? And, right. and, and that's, that's kind of what I look for. And I know I, I might not, I might be rare in that, but um, yeah, it, it just, it just speaks to how, like where the empire strikes back changed everything. The last Jedi didn't. And solo kind of did like, solo. Yeah. I think changed that, everything for a lot of people, especially that's the thing that's, that's really sad to me when I hear fans saying that they're not going to go see the movie because they're reacting to uh, negatively to the last Jedi. Sure. I, yeah. I, that's I mean, bad. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, but I mean, you can't expect me to take your opinion on the franchise very seriously because you're reacting negatively to to one movie and you're going to punish this other movie which you act if you actually went out and bothered to watch it i think you would enjoy yourself yeah exactly um because you get the right people igniting lightsabers in my opinion and in, in right. and it's only right. one but it's enough and and and, and, and like i said i think uh, i don't think there's any doubt that ron howard is a is a is a star wars fan yep. he cares about the franchise yep yeah yeah, you know, so, so it's almost like they're 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 punishing the very kind of content that some of these people want because of the previous movie. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's sad. So the fandom situation's ugly. I think that there's some good ideas getting run. I like I you know, um, yeah, I think like the TV series and some other things. I think that Resistance and all that, all that's going to turn yeah. out fine. Like I, I'm, yeah, no, I I I don't have any worries about about uh, yeah. Resistance. Um, you know, and, and I'm hoping that the, uh, the, the star Wars television series turns out to be, I'd still love to see that underground TV series that they were going to do. Yeah. Or at least use the script somewhere. Which yeah. Maybe they will. Yeah. Maybe they will. Yeah. So, yeah. So and, not- my, and my other big hope is, is that, um, you know, a lot of people have talked about, um, 1313, which was a star Wars game that got canceled. Right. And like, you know, I, I, I kind of said earlier that I felt like the Boba Fett movie was unnecessary, but if they actually took the story from the 1313 game, which seemed like, like really cool, I would be okay with that. Yeah, me too. Me too. And hell, you know what I'd be okay with right now? They could finally finish that mall game. Now that mall uh, is like the hottest yeah. topic in star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's finish that fucking game. Cause it looked amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, it'd be great as if, like I said, if they, they did a mall movie and they did the Boba Fett movie and then they released both of those games as like tie-ins for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. We got to get games. You know, that's, that's something. All right. I'm going to end with it. We will end with this. Something that star Wars needs right now is real video games that aren't battlefront we need real fucking it doesn't have to be a space simulators just give me some real fucking other video games besides battlefront and Um, and i'm not going to go as extreme as to say that like the license needs to be pulled entirely from ea but i do think it needs to be opened up to other developers and publishers because it's a big mistake to basically for lucasfilm and disney to put all their eggs in the ea basket because ea is fucking up left and right yeah none of granted Granted, some of the updates recently for Battlefront have actually been kind of good ideas. Yeah. Ewok Hunt was a good idea. Sure. The fact that they have finally added single player for uh, Starfighter mode was a good idea. Yeah. You should have gotten that from the very beginning, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And none of this mobile game bullshit. Like, no, no oh, I'm so sick of like, yeah, and, and I and I kind of like my heart wilts when I see like Star Wars fans on Twitter, like tweeting mobile game shit. I'm like, oh. Stop yeah, it. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> it's a money sink. Stop. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, 
All right. Well, Robin, as always, man, it is so much fun to do this show with you every month. Um, Absolutely. Next month, we'll have a whole lot of catching up to do on some of the broader aspects of the Star Wars uh, universe. And I'm sure maybe there'll be some other thoughts on Solo. We'll see what happens. I'm sure but, we'll uh, get some more news, too. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of news. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll get some better news as far as uh, box office for Solo. I hope so. I, I hope that would so. be nice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know it would be really nice if they came up with something really nice for the uh, – the the home video release you know i i don't know what they could do but just yeah. just, just make it a really well put together and nice release with some good extra content instead of just deleted scenes yeah i i think this movie could win if it, if it get if it got that and and to, just to put to bed a lot of the stories around it too i think right helpful, yeah no i so. think that would help a big deal and 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 um uh, I, I can't imagine that that um you know Ron Howard wouldn't want to do uh, an audio track. Like that seems up his alley. Oh yeah, he's that kind of guy because he does like yeah. all his training courses for directing and everything too. Right. So, right. Yeah. 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 He, he, in fact, he, I I I would even put him in charge of putting together the home video release because some of my favorite DVD releases in the past were basically kind of like the film school in a box sort of DVD releases that gave you all kinds of great behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, like he did with Apollo thirteen and others. Yeah. I mean, he really did yeah. a he did a solid job with those on DVD. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully that's what we'll get. But anyway, Robin, man, I will see you, or we'll be we'll rejoin next month for this action. Of course, I'll be seeing you online all the time. But you know, anyway, <laughs> we saw. I look solo. forward to it every month. It's the yeah. highlight of the end of my month. Right on. Same here. And man, and well, we'll start talking episode nine news soon enough. So <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right, everybody, we will see all of you on the other side.